It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Lax Class 173 is now underway. Thanks for joining us. Jake Elliott, Brad Challoner with you right here on the home of Lax Class, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for another big program. Brad, uh, welcome back to Lax Class, man. It's Monday. It's pouring rain. It was a Absolutely wild weekend in the National Lacrosse League, which we will talk about here in mere moments. But uh, how was Brad Challoner's weekend? Yeah, we're here to spread the positivity. I know it's a gray, dreary West Coast Monday, and I know that doesn't concern the majority of people that listen to this podcast outside of the lower mainland. But it's getting lighter it does out. put a little bit of a fe- seasonal affective disorder on the pod when it is gray and rainy. Um, March. You know, we're in March. Happening in the- War broke out since the last time we spoke to you last oh, week. So cow, yeah. there's that. So lacrosse definitely provided some medicine this weekend. And yeah, I, um, I mentioned last week, I tested positive for COVID on yeah. Monday of last Monday of last week, the day we recorded the podcast. So that was a little dour times too, but, um, How you feel? just kind of feel fine, man. Just, yeah. it's kind of hit me like a cold for a few days, almost yeah. like a bad allergy attack, like just sort of foggy in the nasal cavity and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind of congested, but then fine. And now I, I still feel a little tired. That's about the only thing. Yeah, is like I've been to the gym, to the gym in two weeks. Let's see if I can stretch that out a little bit longer <laughs> yeah, before first I first one back is rough. I'll tell you that. Have the energy for that. But yeah, like lacrosse definitely helped on Saturday. I, I'm unfortunately we didn't have a Friday or Sunday games, but cramming all those games into Saturday staggered them up. But some exciting finish lines, storylines we'll get into here. Some 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 upsets, I guess you can say. If there's a such thing in the National Lacrosse League well, anymore, I don't I don't know. Yeah, there there's just, I think the you have is. to say. Well, put it this way, Brad, nobody went four and two in who you got this week. That's how wild. No, the winner was three and three. The winner on who you got this week was 50%. So that, that goes to show. But yeah, I, I laid pretty low just trying to get over the sickness and didn't really see anybody just, you know, trip to the liquor store after I was cleared. and <laughs> Haven't been to the gym, but you've some... been to the liquor store, <laughs> eh, first play, My first outing, my first outing uh, was to the liquor store uh, why because my you? taste didn't didn't leave me. Well, what did you get up to? Uh, what did I get up to? Uh, Danny's daughter had her field lacrosse provincials out there in maple ridge so checked out a little bit of that on friday night and then uh saturday just hunker down and watched as much nll lacrosse as i could possibly consume i had like three laptops an ipad my phone going at at one time which was a lot of fun and uh sunday squeezed in a little disc golf up there at uh, my local track monday park which was which was good so yeah, pretty pretty casual weekend myself. Uh, but is your is your hip allowing you to actually golf well, this spring? Like ball golf? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. 
I think I mean, same, same same motion, same kind of biomechanics there. So I'm hoping that's a go. Um, I've been waiting for the big boss to kind of get us out on on the course there. I figured uh, he he's golfing a lot, and uh, we haven't got the call yet. So I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm ready. I don't know if I can. I can. I don't know if I can hang with with Dan Richardson on the golf. Probably course, not. But, uh, but I'm, I'm ready. You and I could probably go hack and whack pretty yeah, we'll, anytime we'll, soon. We'll play doubles and and go up against him or something. But uh, so. Big program, like I mentioned, lined up here for EP 173. Back to two guests this week is a little Minnesota Swarm reunion here this week, Brad. It was unintentional, but uh, Ryan Banesh of the Albany Firewolves will join us, and Mitch Belial, color analyst for the ESPN Game of the Week, and the New York Riptide will join us in quarter two. Like I mentioned, Lax Class Locks, who you got coming up in quarter four in here? We got the week that was, who we had, and of course, our Stampede Stallions in quarter number one. Do you want to get into this right off the top here? Actually, we probably should discuss this, Brad. Uh, you know, it came out, I want to say, what, Wednesday of last week? And Nick Sakevich, commissioner of the National, former commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, stepping down from his post, which caught a lot of people off guard. I, like I mentioned, I went on lacrosse sports network and, and mentioned that I kind of caught wind of this about six months ago, that this potentially could be happening. And I, I had a hard time believing it, but the source was really good. So I didn't really have a choice and, and almost, you know, it's been just about six months and, and here we are. So it didn't really catch me off guard like I think it did a lot of people but still I think from an outsider's perspective it's confusing to a lot of people well from an outsider's perspective look at what he's done over the last six years he's got us on TSN and ESPN he's added what six teams start he's came in at nine we now have 15 next year with with Vegas and some really stable owners in some really good markets and some really good buildings um you know, all, uh, hiring Jessica Berman, hiring the staff that he's built around him, the initiatives new the logo. National Lacrosse League has put forward, uh, the new logo, the new identity, um, working towards the goal of 16 teams and getting these guys to be full-time lacrosse players. He's done transformative, made transformative changes over the last few years. And the league, from an outsider's perspective, has probably never looked better. And I don't think it's ever, ever looked better. You know, maybe some of those, those early 2000s games in Toronto or or kind of the bar, but there's a lot of stable leagues. There are a lot of stable teams right now. And yeah, it looks, it looks like all roses, but I do think when you're coming off of a pandemic and missing a year and a half of lacrosse and, and all the, all the difficulties that we've seen in certain cities and in certain venues, you know, maybe it's not all roses behind the scenes financially and stuff. And maybe it's now was a good time of maybe a mutual parting of ways to say, you know what, the league's in good hands. Let's move it to some other hands and now let's try to bring some revenue and get these teams um you know out of the out of the red and into the black so to speak and start making some money now i think that's what the league needs to start doing and maybe you know he's a great teams guy a great guy to bring in some owners but maybe now is the time to bring someone in who can who can start making some bank for the national lacrosse league's teams and owners and players yeah jessica berman the former deputy commissioner will now be the interim commissioner and i think it's her job to keep or to lose and and she'll get a runway to do that and tell me i'm wrong here brad but i think priority number one for miss berman should be to get the nll cup to a point where we can drink beers out of it 
again. Like, uh, <laughs> I think that that's really important thing to do, but you know, she had a great, great chat on off the crossbar last week with our guys, uh, Teddy and Pat with Jessica. And, you know, she's not going to, she doesn't want to change too much right no. now. Like everything is on course. They are, they, they do plan to bring hopefully announce team number 16 sometime soon. And then, the board of governors and the league have all kind of agreed to take a pause and then reassess at that point. So I think that's probably priority. Number one is securing team number 16. And then let's see what we got and, and, and move forward from there. Yeah. And, and as far as the timing goes for, for those that haven't heard, like Nick's contract was, is up at the end of the season, but teams now are starting to plan and budget for their upcoming year now. So, you know, Nick was part of that budget and, they had to make some decisions before the the year was up on what direction they were going to go. And, you know, speaking with a number of executives around the league, I don't know if it had to be unanimous to re-up his contract, but I I believe it to be true that it was far from unanimous to renew Nick's contract for whatever reason. So that kind of tells you, you know, some things behind the scenes were happening that, that not everybody was on board with. And I don't know, again, I don't know this to be true, but I would venture to guess that I think the rate of expansion and how bullish Nick was on trying to get up to 20, 24, 30 teams made some people nervous. And, and I don't know if he planned to stop at 16, which I think a lot of people think we need to do. So Again, I'm speculating in that regard, but that's the reason behind the timing is that his contract was expiring. They're planning and budgeting for the next year to come around, and they had to make the decision now rather than later. But Nick will be on board here throughout the end of the season in an advisory role and, and uh, will continue to, to kind of work hand-in-hand hand until that point. But, you know, I just want to say thanks to him, Brad, for, for all the things that you mentioned with the TV deals. And he just... He brought our league from where it was to another level or even to into a professional eye, like into the mainstream. And the TV contract and the expansion with the ownership groups that he's gotten is a major part of that. And I don't think any of it happens without Nick. And then you add to the fact that the personnel that he put in place with Jessica and Joel and Katie and all the rest of it there at the league office a lot of good people who are really good at their job, and that's large in part due to Nick Sakevich as well. So I just, you know, want to take an opportunity to thank the former commissioner for all the work that he did. Oh, 100%. I'll, I'll echo that down the loudest hallway. He, he, he stepped it up, and, you know, this is a guy that came from, he's seen it all through professional soccer as a player and then working as a team owner and then eventually working in, in, major, in major league soccer. He, he wanted to emulate the trajectory of major league soccer, bring it to the NLL. So from that standpoint, mission accomplished. Like he, he enhanced the footprint. He made us mainstream. He got it on national television, as I mentioned. So he made good on a lot of promises. So it's now, now it's time to set some new goals and ride those promises into the future. So I think the timing is actually quite nice here to, to freshen things up. It's been, it's been a six year good run and, and let's see what's next. Yeah. And the one thing, that is kind of sitting in the back of my brain here is how Nick departing and Jessica taking over the leadership role, how this will affect the NLLPA and, and the ongoing 
CBA negotiations uh, that, you know, these guys got to get a deal in place here for a long-term future. And it could help. It could hurt. I don't really know how that is going to pan out. But I think, you know, the conversations have been pretty amicable from what I can understand. And hopefully those continue as we work to, towards a, a long-term CBA. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, uh, week 13, we mentioned it, Brad. It was a wacky one with six games going down all on Saturday night. And it began in Philadelphia. Do you want to grab the steering wheel here and drive the bus for for who we had? Let's do it. So Philadelphia Wings, fourth straight game, they can't muster more than eight goals. They've been held to eight or less. on with these guys? In four straight, um, as they fall to Halifax Thunderbirds seven. Halifax Thunderbirds are now seven one. Philly is five and six in the fifth. Still, you know, like we talk about it every week, they've only beaten teams over five hundred. So, you know, the two parter here. I think this this Halifax win was very impressive. Like Halifax is playing scary good lacrosse right now. Warren Hill has jumped on the radar in a big way and is not only making a lot of saves, he's making phenomenal saves guys a human highlight reel in the back end 52 saves for warren hill it doesn't matter that cody jameson and austin shanks don't score a goal i think we had the opposite pods cast effect on austin shanks this weekend as uh, <laughs> right. he's never our guest coming last back week was blank but he's never coming it does back. it doesn't seem to matter in halifax like they always have one or two hot guys the yeah. one hot one or two hot sticks every night that's helping them win and their d is absolutely dialed in so i think it was an impressive Halifax win and uh, still concerned about the Philadelphia wings with, you know, you and I've been talking about it for a few weeks in a row, Jumbo, like they're missing, they're missing a spark plug. They've got a veteran perimeter offense. They can run some good two man stuff, but outside from Ben McIntosh, no one gets inside and they don't have, they just don't have a pest or a youthful spark plug to bring the energy up of that group. Well, I mean, you look at it like Hickey, former 50 goal man in this league. Crowley, former number one overall pick in this league. McIntosh, three-time champion in this league. Corey Small, 100-point scorer. MVP candidate, 2015, I believe. In this league. So, I mean, the P- Tawaraton winner, Matt Rambo, uh, MVP in the PLL, Blaze Reardon. Like, this is a star-studded offense here in Philadelphia, but we've been harping on this on the soapbox for weeks and weeks something just does not fit right in that offense they're either they have too much of one thing or they're missing something else just the pieces of the puzzle aren't quite fitting and there's no reason with the amount of talent that they have on that roster to muster eight goals I know Halifax is a very good defense and Warren Hill is playing exceptional but eight and haven't beat a team over 500 yet. Philadelphia needs to figure it out here, and they need to do it pretty quick because they sit fifth in the East right now in a game below 500. So, uh, yeah, if the if the playoffs started today, they would be the crossover team yeah. to come over to the West. But you know the way that Saskatch- Saskatchewan's coming on, and Scary. Calgary could still come on like that. That that Eastern swap might not happen. That no. could be a Western team taking that too. So not only are they battling for the East, they got to have a better record than the Saskatchewan Rush, Chicago Roughnecks, Vancouver Warriors at the end of the day. Baptiste and Withers, exactly fifty percent. Fifty fifty. What a battle that yeah. was. Yeah, two guys that know each other so well. Absolutely split. Love it. Stephen um, Keogh looks like he, you know, took one game to find his game and 
Hatcher. Yeah, so he's the, he's the hot stick that week, right? But they just yeah, like, that's what makes him so dangerous, Brad. Is if it's not Keo, it's Jameson. If it's not Jameson, it's Bushi. And if it's not Bushi, it's Peterson. And if it's not Peterson, it's Shank. Like it, Fennell. Yeah, and you're almost like, you're saying the opposite. It's like the exact op. Like the when you see Buffalo have all those hot sticks and everyone's contributing. Halifax, same way. It's certain guys on certain nights, but for Philly. I, I, you know, to me, I think it's a youth thing. When you look at this, the offensive that are successful, like San Diego, um, New York, Halifax, the best offenses, they have like rookies or sophomores that are contributing in those Getting lineups too. So, yeah. you know, to me, I think, I don't know what it is, but it's almost a veteran thing in, in Philly. I'm not saying Maybe. these guys are too old and they're washed up or anything, but I, you need youthful exuberance to help your offense. Agreed, man. Uh, by the way, Buffalo, Halifax, just on the horizon coming up. Yeah, we're getting close to that one. That's the one that everyone's sort of been been waiting for. The two teams with only San Diego's now got their second loss, and now Halifax and Buffalo eight and one versus seven and one. We'll see what those two teams look like coming up. Um, another fantastic game: Toronto Rock, New York Riptide. This is a one goal game, back and forth action, an absolute slugfest. No more than a three goal run once in the game, and that was Toronto in the fourth quarter to tie it, and then Jeff T wins it with you know ice water running through his veins but this was a great win for the new york riptide their first win at home um beating a a top one of the top teams in the east going slug for slug with that team i think this is a good step forward for the new york riptide not one person out of over a hundred entries in who you got picked the riptide this week take that said the riptide yeah. congratulations and i said it right here on lax class a week ago i'm not taking the riptide again until they get a win under their belt well so do you take them in the rematch well this now i i have to do some serious consideration on what i'm doing this week like it i think well i'm not going to give it away but uh kudos to them man like and again here brad like what I've been saying this seven points for Jeff T there it is again, four and three for Jeff T Crawford taking a little bit of a step back with four and one, but scored some very timely goals in that game. I would say, and Steve Orleman 52 shots against, yeah, he allows 13, but again, all they need Orleman to do is hold the fort and give them a chance to win. And more often than not, I think this offense is going to outscore the opponent. They're I didn't that- realize, like, I know I test their offense looked really good, but statistically, they're actually the third best offense in the National Lacrosse League. 12.3 goals for per game. Chase it's Nick their Rose. D that's that last, their last place D at 13.67. But Damon Edwards, Dan McCray, Mac Mitchell, some of the young guys stepping up, they're, uh, they're turning things around. It's a, it's a long hill to climb for New York to look for a playoff spot, but they keep stacking up wins. It just sets them up for the confidence that they're going to need for Jeff T to lead this team to a championship in the next half decade. Yeah. Uh, Lattisur, Damo getting the the game ball, and Sonny Boy giving the the, the buoy there, the Hasselhoff. Uh, what was the name? He came up there, Kokachi. What, what was that? Oh, David Chokachi. <laughs> David Chokachi. You remember? So, so there's a picture of, of Orlando with, with the buoy. And I think Ty Marrow said something like, oh, the, the Baywatch outfits of 
have come a long way since back in the day. And I say, yeah, but the Chokichi hair has, remember David Chokichi was like the dude on the show. There was the Hoff. I can't remember what his name was on the show, but he was the other star. His name was David Chokichi. Yeah, no. He had the long blonde flow, the same that Orlando asked. <laughs> you watched way too much Baywatch, buddy. I don't know what was going on down the basement at the Challenger house with Pam Anderson running on the sand there, but I don't want to know. Hey, big, but... big Pam and Tommy on Disney Plus right now. That is yeah. that is yeah. worth the watch. Big, big, big Pam guy here. Chom Schreiber leads the league with 28 goals. He has another big one. hat trick. Let's uh, stay in New York. Buffalo completes the full season sweep mm. of their I-90 rivals, the Rochester Nighthawks. They went 14-8 down in Rochester. Buffalo is now 8-1. Rochester is three and six, uh, six goal run for Buffalo to bridge the third and fourth quarters. A couple of things of note here, Jumbo. Did you see the fans from Buffalo in Rochester? Oh, they're, they're, they were like a quarter of the ring. Uh, they travel better than a Bay. When that Rochester Buffalo game's going on, Banditland fans make the trip to Rochester. And more often than not, they out cheer Nighthawk fans, which, you know, you got to give them some credit on that. If you looked at the camera angles from certain times and then saw the photos after the game, you would swear that game was held in Buffalo. It was it was unreal. Love their band. Um, why wouldn't you, man? What are they? Eight and one? Like, why wouldn't you want to follow that down to Rochester and watch them beat the Nighthawks? Like, and again, like just like Halifax here, Josh Byrne doesn't score a goal. I know he had eight assists, but like it's Na- Nana Coke from his stomach. This kid is a rookie, and he's right up there in, in scoring as far as rookies go. I think tied with Teat and goals, and he's not getting enough run. Dane Smith just continues to lead the offense in in every fashion imaginable. And did you see the diving save coming from Matt Vince running off his bench to save an empty net goal at the end of the third quarter? Yeah, the guy's that was, 40. that's not the first, that's the, not the first time Matt Vince has done that either, but the first time he's done it as a 39 year old, <laughs> which is in, like in their way up in the game too. Like that goal wouldn't have been a big backbreaker, but no. he's not letting it happen. Um, some other cool things from this game. Can yeah, we like put him Koga. in the MVP conversation, Brad? I know he's goaltender and goaltender of the year conversation, but like, can we put Matt Vince in the MVP conversation? I think there's lots nine of nine goals on 52 shots right now. I tell you, if he, if this team, you know, finishes like 16 and two and they get into the playoffs and make a good run, I think there's a real strong, a real strong case. And I think you have to say the same thing about Tahoga too. Like everyone's talking Jeff T Reed Bowering, yeah. but I think he's a strong candidate, top three finisher for, for rookie of the year. Like he's just been Stud. scoring goals at a kind of rate that we thought he would, but they've been spectacular. Highlight. He's fit right into that. O. Yeah. he's been a human highlight machine. He's so tough to move off ball. <laughs> he's so creative. How about I, the jubilation from Maxwell Adler scoring his first national lacrosse? League? I think it was the like 14, eight goal, but that kid celebrated like he had just won the championship. Jeff, I, well, it was. I it had was, to get a, a penalty shot. I didn't. Oh, that's I, what it was. Penalty yeah. shot with the final seconds, right? So yeah. I'm assuming it one was second a, left. A, a, too many men call from Rochester. I'm assuming yeah. is what the call was on that play. Yeah. But then you know, Buffalo Bandits could give that to anybody. They could give that to Tahoga or Burn or Fields and know that it's going to be a slam dunk. But no, let's let's show that we're a team and we just have fun. And we're going to give it to a guy for his first ever career goal. Oh, yeah, the pumpernickel like going, that. the windmill going, the skippy show pony kick going. He had it all. 
The band is, they're just having so much fun, like from their crowd to the style of offense that they play to their swagger. Like no one does it like the bandits do unreal. It's true. So they're eight and one Saskatchewan rush have their best game of the season and look the rushiest uh, I've seen them play so far this year. They beat the Colorado mammoth at the Sastel center 10 to nine in OT Colorado now six and three Sask three and six. But like I said, the rushiest game I've seen them play the rushiest look like, like, like they look the most like the rush of old. Their defense has been pretty good all season long, but this happened after the podcast taping last week, but they signed Eric Penny and you know, could there be a better fit for well, any goaltender really, but for the style of play that Eric Penny plays where he's a guy who likes to see his shots and plays on his lines and is not going to blow you away with any acrobatics, but if he sees a shot, he's going to stop it. And Brad, and that's the, that's the exact system that the rush play. The guy saved their season twice in overtime on Joey Capito on breakaways. And we've seen lightning finish on breakaways a lot in this league and I truly believe if Eric Penny does not stop either one of those and Colorado goes on to win that game, that's it for the rush this season. That saved their season, and he did it twice on breakaways in overtime against Capito. Like, that's not Robert Hope coming down on a breakaway there. So, massive stuff there for Saskatchewan and Eric Penny. Robert Church, Brad, 10, ten goals. In that Robert Church didn't have 10 goals, but Robert Church had seven points on those 10 goals for Saskatchewan. And he just came out in that game. And again, like he just looked at it and was like, Robert Church not losing this game tonight. And well, it, yeah, it's interesting to me that, you know, their offense looked the best, but still statistically, one guy does the bulk of the damage. Courier and Lintner don't score at all. Matthews has one. Shadler has one. Keenan has one. Still issues. So, yeah, statistically, it looks like there's still issues. Keenan had 14 shots on goal and one well, goal. He's just <laughs> fighting it this year. But there were flashes and they're, they're, the way that they were picking and rolling and setting high picks and sending guys through the middle and the way that their offense was moving was the most impressive I've seen them work so far this year. So, if it wasn't Church, I think other guys were going to go and it clearly looks like they got a message, shoot the damn ball. Cause they shot the ball 72 times. Well, I was going to say, man, Matthews with 14 shots, church with 14 shots, Keenan with 15 shots. Clearly that was the modus operandi. And what was the weird nugget? Like from Adam, a, a Levy nugget, if you will, Brad, that Dylan Ward in his career, has faced over 70 shots, I believe, four times in his career. And he's one in three in those games. And I think they've allowed 10 or less in those four games. 62 stops and he loses. Yeah, not 62 stops, not good enough. Well, it just means that your, your team's getting your team's getting peppered and shellacked in a game like that. So if you're getting 72, 72 shots, you're probably good chance you're winning a lacrosse game. So that it's a mind-boggling stat. It's just a disheartening stat for Dylan Ward. Like, what does the guy need to do to face that shellacking, make that many saves, and then still come up short? Like, it's just a, it's just a salty one for. Well, for here's Dylan Ward. here's the other stat that just jumps right off your off the page at you. 
Eric Turner and I and John Lentz, a combined one for twenty one in the face of Todd. Like it's a it's a miracle that they got this game to overtime. We're talking Mike Messenger here, not Jake Withers. 22 for 23 in the faceoff dot for the hammer. That is that is crazy, and Colorado better address that because they cannot continue the season with that kind of clip. Like you're, and he's not going to be my stallion of the week. Spoiler alert! But in addition to going 22 for 23, he also had 17 loose balls and four cost turnovers. So, <laughs> Messenger just continues to make his his mark. He for might just be my stallion after you told me that, right? Yeah. Yeah, they find a way. They find a way to quiet Ryan Lee down. They kind of kept him to the outside for the most part of the game. Connor Robinson came up big again, but a good, like just solid Sask rush defensive performance, and then a game this weekend against Panther City. So this might just be the couple game stretch that Saskatchewan needs to get right back yeah. in the mix as we move along. We'll talk about this game a lot with Ryan Banesh in a few minutes, but a, a complete wonky one where Albany goes into San Diego, and I love a good cross conference game because they're they're chaotic. And we saw a real quiet feeling out stage one, one after 20, after 15, a 13 goal second quarter, and then kind of back to back the rest of the game against two teams that, that, that don't know too much about each other. And it, it looked that way at times, but Albany figures out a way. Dougie has a really good game. Rest of Terrence and Benny come up big. They're quiet. Dane Doby down and, you know, you and I have both been high on Albany in the way that they sort of grind games out in different kind of ways. And they did this one against San Diego. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm sure betters were pretty concerned about the over after the opening 15 minutes and then 13 goals in quarter number two, they put up a combined 25 and the over comes in. And again, alarming face-off statistics here. And I really think this spurred Albany to the win and, and, Again, we'll talk about it in our final game in Panther City as well. The faceoffs really played a factor this weekend when they're this skewed 25 for 30 for Nardella over Cleland in the faceoff dot. But other things that stood out for me in this game, Jacob Rue with four goals. He's been kind of looking to find his game. Austin Stotts put in four himself, and all four were just ridiculous highlight real goals like just a rocket over his shoulder a swim through a double team a spinning whirling dervish as i like to say and then catching yeah, the traffic he said to hogan anico hold on one second i'm not gonna let you clog up sports center just tonight. unbelievable and they shut doby down which is almost impossible to do the albany firewalls kept doby off the score sheet in the goal category and if you can do that against the San Diego Seals, I know they got a lot of weapons there, but that that's kind of the formula to try and beat this team. Yeah, I saw they've got a lot of weapons, and Westberg has been unreal, and Noble's been a great ball carrier this season. I saw some people online saying that, like, Doby just looked really sort of nonchalant and uninterested out there, and I know that that's part of his swagger. You know, you, yeah, you that's see just that in how Calgary looks. Yeah. over the years, but he did have a hot start. I don't think Doby's really been right the last few games. I think he's been a little banged up. Um, I don't know if that if it's tough getting down to San Diego for him, but it does look that after that Calgary game where Sask- he was, was on the Saskatchewan, it was the Saskatchewan, it was Saskatchewan game where he got hurt. Yeah, I, I well, think I even wonder. Going in, even even after that Calgary game though, where he you know literally put 
seemingly his life on the line seven. at the Saddle Dome and scored seven. I, I don't know. We haven't really seen that Adobe since that night. I yeah. I wonder whether that injury in Saskatchewan is is still affecting him. He's never going to let you know or or say anything about it. He'll just play through it and do his best. But I wonder if a couple of weeks off down the stretch here might be in order for Doby to San Diego's up there in the standings. Like they can afford to, I think give Doby like, I mean, Casey Jackson, I don't know how far off he is, but yeah, maybe Doby needs just a couple of weeks off to, to kind of get some rest and get right. And then be ready for a stretch drive there for the seals who are clearly going to make the playoffs. Yeah. They're just their second loss of the season. Um, they've got Calgary at home this week. So a couple of weeks at home for the San Diego Seals after being away for a while is going to do them well. They could, they could quite frankly bounce back this weekend, but you know, Nick Asello and Cooper Perkins did a good job talking about Austin's thoughts on that broadcast. And it's like, how do you defend that? He, he swam through a double of LaFontaine and Tchaikovsky, like yeah. two monster veteran Behemoth. defenders in, yeah. in the national lacrosse league. And they're like, there's not much you can do. The one where he came around the net on that righty side and threw that backhander yeah. it was just incredible. So it's nice to see Austin playing healthy and playing confident because we say all the time, man, like the league is better when Austin oh, starts in it because he's electrifying. And man. Brings that energy, a human highlight reel. Like he, they also threw out a stat of their record yeah. with Audie in and out of the lineup. Starting, and it's yeah. drastically different. Startling. Drastically different when he's in or out of the lineup. And man, does he like scoring goals on his buddy Dougie Jameson? Like, I, th- <laughs> I don't know if well, there's another goalie he likes scoring on more than Dougie. No, and that was a good one, too. Like, there's been question. Dougie's been hot or cold this season, too, right? So to for him to have a big win on the road like that, I think is a big confidence booster. And we'll talk to Benny about how that win felt and, and what they do with that going forward. But final game of the weekend, and this one was a heartbreaker for the oh. Vancouver Warriors, but a massive one for Panther City to finally get the monkey off their back again. Panther City with a big lead on Vancouver the majority of the game. Vancouver only scores three goals heading into halftime. They chip away, they chip away, they start the fourth, and clearly, you know, Chris Gill fired them up and said, hey, look in the mirror, and and what are we trying to do here? And Keegan Ball takes matters into his own hands to start that fourth quarter, but uh, too it. little too they, late. They, they get a dagger, yeah. Killen ties it with seconds left, and then they go right back up the floor the other way again. Face-off's important. Jeremy Thompson gets the ball back for that was it. Panther City. They drop a play, and Patrick Dodds is the hero again. Yeah, like, I, I honestly believe, like, take Mitch Jones and Logan Chess out of the equation. I think if Ham, Hammer Jackson is in that game, they probably win. Just seven for 24, and it's nothing against Owen Barker. Jet just had himself a game in the face-off bout, which he's been known to do on more than one occasion. Chipped in a couple of goals. Power play specialist Jeremy Thompson now. Big night from the rookie Patrick Dodds, who had the game winner with 40 seconds to go. But I go back to it, man. Like, you know, Vancouver was just pelting Nick DeMood with shots early in that first half and just couldn't beat him. But I think they were getting the looks that they wanted from the guys that they wanted to get the looks from. They just could not beat Nick DeMood, who had himself... A really good game. Like, and sometimes you're going to run into a hot goalie, and I think that was the case. And, and you know, no Logan, no Mitch on offense definitely hurts you. But Keegan Ball continues to be super, super impressive. Steve Fryer actually gets the start in this game. Bouquet on the trip. Fryer gets the start. 
he goes down with a bit of a weird injury, got crashed into and had to come out of the game. Bouquet comes in. A lot of things going on in that game. And I look at it and I just, it was going to be a tough game to win. And I've been saying this for a while, that Panther City is going to get some wins under their belt and to, to get their first home win. It just happens to come against Vancouver. And I just, it's a tough one, right? Because I look at it like a huge missed opportunity here to push your record to six and three. And now you're five and four. And now you're staring at a trip across the country to take on Halifax this weekend. So it was a, a really tough loss for Vancouver. But, you know, I, I've seen this team enough now, Brad, where I think they're going to be able to file this one behind them and move on and, and not let this loss affect them too much. I think they... You know, I talked to Owen Barker and, and Brandon Goodwin on Spaces yesterday, and both of them kind of said to a man, I think we went in there a little too cocky, and we got outworked. Mm-hmm. We got outworked, yeah. right? And yeah, that's an I was gonna, I was going to say that before you, like, let them say it, you know? It feels better for them to say that rather than rather than me, because I don't like to question players', players work ethics, but I do think they got out loose-balled and out-hustled a little bit, and... Yeah, maybe they were a little high going down there thinking, okay, this is we beat this team twice already. We upset them in their home opener here and and all the stuff that goes into it and and their offense, you know, has been working pretty good with, with or without Logan Shuss, like Killen and yeah. and and Riley Lowen and, and Keegan Ball. And there's they have their secondary scoring that they've never had, right? So this is the best iteration of of Vancouver Pro Lacrosse team we've seen in a long time. And I think there's times where they would lose a game like that and you'd be able to poke holes all through it. But you know, all five and four are still sitting in third playoff spot here, but like yeah, I said, no one's, no one's worried. The Panther city was due and credit Panther city. Like yes, they, they have a four take, game homestand right now. Yeah. They're comfortable. They're building confidence with every game. You can see the chemistry between Malcolm and Dodds now is a great one, two punch for them. Their defense was getting better. Liam Burns was a beast. They finally got a great night in goaltending. So it was Panther City's night, and Tracy Kluski's put a great program in front of that team, and they're starting to believe, and it's all starting to come to fruition for them. Unfortunately, for the Vancouver Warriors' sake, it happened yeah. at their expense. I don't know if Bouquet was ready to come in to that game. Like he, Bouquet was Bouquet was sick in the Calgary game. That's why he wasn't able to make that trip. That's why Fire gets the start, and probably not feeling 100% yet. Um, this is not COVID, by the way. So no. he's allowed to travel. But probably, I don't think he was ready for that game. He didn't make a lot of great stops down the stretch. That's in that a tough game. spot so to come in. And yeah, it's a real tough spot to come in where you think, hey, Friar's been playing so good. I'm going to be in the, the backup mode tonight. I don't intend to go in. You know, I haven't been, haven't been feeling great. And then to get thrust into that with that deficit. But yeah, the credit, they, they battle back. I think it was a great start to that fourth quarter and their biggest run in the game to make things interesting. But um, a little too much a penalty trouble, a little too much penalty trouble, although, you know, three for seven on the penalty kill. That's good. But seven penalties is a little, little too high. Rebowering another goal, another 15 loose balls for the rookie. Rebar. He's got four goals in Panther City in his two games there. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Well, uh, Brad, that was I mean, listen, the New York Riptide beat Toronto, who was on a heater. And Panther City beat Vancouver. Colorado, who is near the top of the Western standings, lose to a team that only had two wins in Saskatchewan. So it was a wacky, wacky week in the National Cross League. I would expect things to continue here as we move forward. But right now, Brad, we need to move out to uh, to the pastures here and saddle up because we're heading to the Stampede Tax Stables. 
<laughs> you got your carrot with you this week or no? Forgot the carrot. <laughs> it just seems like you're you're cold when you're doing that. I don't know if my horse noises are right, but anyways, we've reached the Stampede Tack and Western Wear Stables here for our Stampede Stallions of the Week. And our Stallions of the Week brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. We're just about to, well, we've turned the calendar into March here. Spring is right on the horizon, but this is what I love about Blundstone boots, Brad. You can wear these things in the spring, the fall, the winter, even the summer. They are stylish, they are comfortable, and they go with anything. Blundstones, they have them at Stampede Tack and Western Wear, among many other boots. Canadian boots, work boots, motorcycle boots, riding boots. Boots galore at Stampede Tack and Western Wear, out there in Cloverdale since 1966, corner of Highway 10 and 180th, or hop online where shopping online is still shopping local at stampede.ca. All right, Brad, Stampede Stallion of the Week time, and we've had the same stallion the last couple of weeks, but I, I want to say we got different ones this week, so let's give this another shot here and uh, run down the stat line of your stallion, and I'll see if I can guess it. Okay, I'm going three goals, two assists, a shorthanded goal, and a game-winning goal. Shorthanded goal. See, I don't know this right now. Three and a shorty seven. and a game. You scored oh, three. One I'm going to say shorty, Stephen Keogh. You got it. Oh, Steve yes. Is that is that where you were going to? No, no. I just I I'm just racking my stats in my head there. I remember seeing Keogh with three and two, and I just took a guess essentially. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about it a second ago. Like, there's a there's a hot stick for Halifax every night. It was nice to see that it was Steve Keogh's. He just plays a brand of lacrosse that I love. Like, real physical, um, sets hard picks, has no fear of the middle, scores the filthiest goals, yeah. celebrates afterwards with the rug burn. It's the best. And, it's the best. You know, the carpet and, sweep's the best, Sally, in the league right now. It might be. It might be. I don't know if there's a. I don't know if I don't know if there's a contender off the top of my head. Uh, Curtis but the way that he gets in, Superman rip open the jersey. The way that he gets inside. The way that he is just. He's so. He's got that veteran sort of poise where the game is. He's not in a hurry to do anything. Like even the one where he's wide open in the middle. Yeah, there's defenders coming down on you, but he still has time to pirouette and chuck a no looker down low, and just the fearlessness that he has cutting the middle and getting inside. It's nice to see Keo have a big game and a night where Jammer doesn't score and Austin Shanks doesn't score. I think Bushy just had one, um, you know, it's well-deserved. It's just the, the veteran poise that only comes with having three rings and playing 130 some odd games in the national lacrosse. This guy is going to hit 200 goals and 400 points later on this season. And he's just a vet that, that doesn't get enough credit. And this week we're giving him the credit. Yeah. I've been saying for a long time, I, Stephen Keogh has got a spot on my roster. Any, Team any day I'll take week. six of them. I tweet yeah. out this week. I'll take I'll take six of them. Like crashers and bangers. He's got an outside shot. We talked about his inside game, his leadership ability, his poise, his grit. He'll fight you. Yeah. He'll score hat trick on you. He'll forecheck on you. He'll do everything. Teach you how to grow a mustache. I kind of coin flipped on which guy I was going to take out of this game, but this will be pretty easy for you to guess here, Brad. Ten goals on seventy-two shots. Dylan Ward, you're yeah. oh, you're taking Penny or Ward? Oh, I'm taking Penny or not? No, you're taking Dylan. I'm Ward. taking, taking Dylan Ward. I don't know if I've ever taken a guy that's lost a game. I was going to say you're taking a player in a, in a losing effort, but which is, this uh, is about which is being different. a stallion. 
Brad. And I could have taken Robert Church because he had seven points on ten rush goals here. But I think Dylan Ward needs a little love. I think he's feeling pretty down after being one and three in games where he's allowed ten goals or less and given up more than seventy or made more than sixty saves or whatever it is. Dylan Ward is my stallion of the week. Seventy-two shots, ten goals. I know it comes in a loss here, but he is literally the only reason Colorado was even close to being in that game. Yeah, it was Saskatchewan's best performance. Yeah, you take 72 shots on goal. Most teams are going to allow like 15 or 16 of those. Dylan Warren allows 10. Six saves in overtime. And I think this award you're giving him, Jumbo, to me is like accumulation over the last few weeks. Ever since he yeah. got shellacked in that Vancouver game and chased in the first quarter. Pretty good. He's been a different guy. He hasn't let, laid a stinker really since. So, yeah, to take them that deep. So you go six, seven minutes in overtime making six stops in overtime on every possession, you're doing something right. There was a time for me in that OT where I'm like, is this game ever going to end? Because it was just go down, offensive set, big save, back the other way. You so know like when this. guys are like, oh, are we going to TV timeout? No, you're not. We're in overtime because you're past the five-minute mark. Uh, games just don't go that long. Stevie Keogh, Dylan Ward, welcome to the stable. You were this week's Stampede Stallions of the week. Quarter one is done. We're off to quarter number two. Mr. Luxurious. Mitch Belisle will join us on the other side. Locks Class 173 rolls on after this. Hey, this is Austin Shanks, and you're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. And now it's time for another round of Who You Got? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into quarter number two. And in quarter number two, our friends at Rycor Construction like to sponsor this part of the program. They make it stand out at Rycor, and you can check them out on their social media. Rycor Construction Inc. on Facebook and Instagram. Their website is www.rycorconstruction.ca. And they're always posting up their work there on the socials. And uh, again, you know, I'm just, I'm on the fence here on what I want to do in the old kitchen at at Casa de Jumbo here. But uh, when it's time for renovations, you know I'm going to Rycor Construction. And so should you. Right now we're going, I think, to upstate New York via... Montreal, Canada. Little known fact, this man has some Canadian bloodlines in him. And uh, former, uh, I don't know, I can't say teammate, but uh, colleague, I suppose I could say, Minnesota Swarm back in the day. Mr. Luxurious is on the podcast in Mitchell Belisle. That's how you say it, Mitch Belisle. Welcome to Lax Class, man. Uh, It's been a long time coming. Good to finally get you on board here. Yeah, excited to be here, and you know where this is. This is the test run to see which is my favorite podcast. Well, I was so, gonna say good things happening. I was gonna say I, I, you know, was listening to the Bird Boys there, and I heard you say it, and I thought, well, you know, do we have them on now? Like I don't know, but uh, maybe we can sway you back uh, to Lax Class here as we come with the hard hitting stuff. Uh, what's going on? What are you? What are you up to on a on a Monday? Wherever you are, where are you? I am in, right now I'm in Summit, New Jersey, which is uh, the offices of Trilogy Lacrosse. So that's my full-time gig. I, one of the partners and VP of sales and marketing for Trilogy Lacrosse. We run lacrosse events all over, all over the country. Um, so just wrapping up a, a busy day. We, 
we're actually heading out to Arizona, Nevada, and Florida in the next oh, four rough. weeks to do, to do a training training with high school teams. So you're not so going to run. like uh, Idaho and Rhode Island. Like you, you pick some pretty nice spots to post up for for a while. Yeah, well, we bring teams from all over the Northeast, and they kind of do like a training camp out there, and then they head back east and start their season. So. It's a great, I mean, we've, we've been doing it for, we had two years off because of COVID, but um, we've been doing it for six or seven years and it's just an, it's one of the good things that we do. Trilogy has been around for a while now and now it's you and, and a couple other guys behind this, right? Yeah. So Ryan Boyle, um, he long time player in both the NLL and MLL. One of the, one of the best to ever do it. Also a fellow broadcaster did, did all the PLL games in the summer. And Seal scout um, as well, I believe. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, Matt Strebel is one of our national directors. And then, um, Jimmy Vlahakis played at army. He's one of our partners. And, and then we got a couple other folks, uh, Teresa Sherry runs our girl side. She was, a uh, all American at Princeton national champion. So we got a, we got a nice roster. Great team. Well, we want to be your favorite podcast. Now we know where you live. So expect a, <laughs> a, a lacrosse classified swag bag coming your way, Mitch, oh, with yeah. some, uh, with some goodies, but yeah, thanks for hanging out, man. Um, how did you get on the radar of the New York Titans back in the day coming out of Cornell? Did they know you were interested in, in trying out the national lacrosse league and box lacrosse? How did you uh, make that, make that jump into the NLL? Yeah, so they actually did something really cool before the uh, the 08 entry draft. They did a combine for anyone who was interested in playing. And so they actually flew us out to Denver. Um, I, I guess I must have had to declare for the draft. And then once you did that, they invited you to this combine. And we went through it. It was grueling. It was like three days. We did like a beep test. We did all these like agility then we did drills and then we played in like three games throughout the weekend. So I had never really, I played, you know, indoor lacrosse in the U S which now there's a lot more box opportunities back then. There was hardly anything um, other than in way upstate New York. So that was my first real box experience. I remember like at the actual, and then they had the draft, I think on Sunday night and at the actual draft, I could like barely walk. I was so sore. My feet were so beat up. Um, but, but it was such a fun experience. And, and that was probably really the only reason I got drafted was because I got an opportunity to try it, play it, show what I could do and, uh, and, and interact. I think a bunch of the coaches were involved in like the training sessions. Um, and then with the New York Titans, they were kind of a bit of a hybrid American Canadian system that Adam Mueller had built. And so, uh, he was willing to, to teach me and, it was really lucky that that was kind of my entry into the league. What What was your, I know you said it was a fun experience, but were you like completely lost out there? Like, did you know how to defend a pick and roll or talk through defense or like when to slide or where you should set up or anything like that or breakouts? Like what kind of experience was that late? And was it like a bunch of guys like you or were there less experienced guys, more experienced guys? What was all that about? In short, no, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yes, I was very lost, but it, I think it was a pretty big mix. Of, like I roomed with Kevin Ross. Okay. So he obviously knew the box game cold, right? And I had no idea. So I think in the drills, they taught us at the beginning a little bit. So there was some teaching involved, but the game was definitely mayhem because it was a mix of American guys who had never played Canadian guys who had played and, you know, had been dreaming about getting drafted their whole lives. Um, but for me, I was a hockey player growing up. I, I played hockey all the way through. So that like in tight element, the physical element, that piece of it fit really well for me. And I loved it. Um, and I think, you know, I always 
just have a lot of fun competing. And so I, I, I absolutely enjoyed the experience other than not being able to walk for about a week. <laughs> combines are important, man. Like we've, we've seen, there's been a couple of Western combines at the Langley event Always center a diamond in, the there, in right? Toronto. So I think San Diego held a combine a year or two ago. Like, yeah, it's, it's, um, and it's not, yeah, it's not just American field guys. You get Canadian guys who want to try out and might not be on someone's draft radar. Maybe they're not even going to college and they want to declare at 18 or 19. It's a, it's a good way to develop players and get that look to get to the national cross league for sure. Yeah. And having the opportunity to, to get even a little bit of teaching, right. Uh, explaining what a two man game is, how to open to a pick that you can grab a guy a little bit. Um, like you wouldn't know that if you've never played. So even if it's just a drill of 15 minutes, that can make a huge impact when you go out and are in a scrimmage. You can see how how quickly can a guy pick some pick up a concept like that. Is he coachable? Is he able to take a concept that he just learned and put it into a game? So I think from that perspective, it's also helpful. Well, we want to talk about because you've kind of you figured that out, and then now you figured out how to relay that to the listener from a broadcasting aspect. Which you know, it's one thing to be it have it told to you and and comprehend it and grasp it and then go out and execute it but then to be able to describe it to somebody else is a whole nother ball game but so we, we want to get into the broadcasting stuff mitch but we got uh chef benny benny boy coming up uh after you and of course uh, it reminds me and takes me back to our minnesota days together and i want to say 2012 2013 and man those were some of my most favorite times uh in the national lacrosse league just you know, being around that group, which was just a, a super fun team to be around, being in Minnesota, which was a great place to to have a team located. What do you remember from it? I don't know if I've told you this story or not, Brad, but Mitch, we used to go to this place called the Downtowner. After. <laughs> I was wondering if this episode was sponsored by the Downtowner. Jumbo spent enough money there that they're all oh set my for God. an Oh, my God. Uh, showtime at the Downtowner, of course. Cal and Crawford, a uh, big part of that. But we go to the Downtowner after morning shoot-around and, and after practice and stuff, and, and they treat us so well there. But Mitch would always sneak off like pretty quickly after the meal and I never really understood why. And then one time, Mitch managed to put himself, you know, like the cubbies up top on a charter bus, like where you put your bags. And Mitch managed to find a way to finagle his body up into these cubbies and then waited for like five, ten people to get on the bus and just busted these things open and freaked the shit out of like everybody because everybody's like, where's Mitch? Where's Mitch? And then all of a sudden he just burst out of these top cubbies and and freaked everybody out but uh so that was one of the, the more funny things i saw you do mitch but take me back to the minnesota days and real instrumental in in your career developing and then going on to georgia and finally getting that championship yeah and it was a uh, weird timing so i when when boston folded i got dispersed to minnesota and i remember i think i was at a buddy's bachelor party and we were out golfing and uh or, or maybe it was a day of his wedding we were golfing in the morning and i got the call that i was to minnesota i was like oh man minnesota that's like halfway across the country and so cold but i had actually just started dating a girl who who was from st paul so uh, you know fast forward a couple months later we're still dating and um, and her parents had never been to a lacrosse game. We're not big sports people. Uh, and they came to the first, you know, the first game I ever played in, in, uh, in Minnesota. And I don't know if you remember Jumbo, that was the one where as we're leaving at halftime, uh, we we're playing the bandits as we're crossing. The, it was oh yeah. Richie, cross. 
Yeah. We crossed paths and our two goalies bumped into each other and all that brawl broke. (laughs) And so the first time meeting my now in-laws was they saw me (laughs) just scrapping with, uh, with Steinhouse, me and Steinhouse were getting into it. Everyone on the floor is fighting. I got kicked out because it was after the whistle. So like seven or eight guys from each team got kicked out and I had to go and meet my in-laws, all my face scratched out. Did they come back? Where they, where did they come back after that? Or was that it? They did. They did. I think maybe they, you know, they saw I was willing to fight for. And you ended up marrying this girl from St. Paul as well, right? I did. Yeah. And so that is now, that is now my wife and uh, and one of my biggest supporters and fans too. So that was, that was my welcome to Minnesota moment. Um, But we had a great time and and having my in-laws there was, was awesome. We would go and they would would always bring a couple guys. They would make us home cooked dinners on, on Friday night when we got in uh, before shoot around, if we had time. So we kind of had like, we called it the meatloaf crew. We got to get and a team they, back there, Mitch. Like they deserve a team there in, in St. Paul. I was just going to say the, the, the X was such a cool spot. You're like right down downtown St. Paul, which is like a nice walkable, small little, little city um, weather in January, February is a little uh, rough, but uh, it's no Saskatoon. It's not Sask. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was awesome. Awesome experience. The fans were super into it. You talk about a dedicated fan base. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a great, great environment. Jumbo, the downtowner we have, you know, we had our equipment guy, uh, Pouchy, Patrick, Pouchy bringing date, bringing dates, <laughs> bringing dates on, to team on the swarm tab. Yeah. Come on. I'll bring you to this restaurant. And then he just like, where did the where did the Mr. Luxurious moniker come from? Because I don't hear it thrown around a ton, but I know Jumbo's been sticking with it all these years. I imagine it's from those times as well. What's the background there? It's actually this it dates way back to like my best buddy in high school. And uh it's it's kind of like a fake inside joke that doesn't really make any sense, but it's some people have latched on and I I love it. So Jumbo is one of the few that that brings the Mr. Luxurious moniker back. So I try to just embody that, you know, do what I can roll, roll down the streets with my, with my windows open and the AC on just little things like that. Yeah, to it's, embody the luxury. it's a lifestyle, Brad. It's a lifestyle. I get it. I get it. Um, the lifestyle let's, let's jump into the New York riptide and some of the games happening around the national lacrosse. league you've been a part of in the last uh, few weeks here, Mitch on ESPN, you get to see the riptide up close and personal and what a treat to get, get a taste of Jeff, uh, get a look at Jeff Teat every week. Um, how much have you seen this team improve from, from game one through, through game nine this season, maybe their best performance against Toronto at home this weekend. Yeah, without question. I think offensively, they've always been right there, right? They're averaging over 13 goals a game. Um, their power play is just lethal. It was just, and even transition, they've been really hot in transition. Um, and I think they were just waiting for the defense to, to start to come together. And the beginning part of the year, they weren't sure whether Orleman or, or Abrams was going to be the starter. And I think once Orleman got locked in as a starter, that changed everything because he had that confidence. The defense started to know. It's just having that sense of like, okay, this is what it's going to be. Let's work from this. I think is super helpful. And this past weekend, I, I said it to the coaching staff after the game. I saw them big smiles on their faces, obviously. I, I said it just looked like the defense was like more energetic, more aggressive, and, and not sitting back waiting. They rushed the Toronto Rock offense, and the Toronto Rock offense just never got into any kind of rhythm. Um, and it made a huge difference. And I think Damon Edwards had something to prove and played his best game. Um, Dan McRae was just an animal out there. And those two things, plus they had to put a couple of the young guys into the lineup just based on injuries. And I think that sometimes can provide a spark that 
that you need. So between those, those things, um, they just put it all together and, and we're able to, to eke out a really uh, impressive win this past weekend. Speaking with Mitch Belial, color analyst for the ESPN Game of the Week and the New York Riptide. And <clears throat> excuse me, you mentioned Stephen Orleman, and I feel like we talk about Stephen Orleman a lot on this podcast, but I guess rightly so. But it just seems to me, Mitch, that with every minute and second and game that this kid gets to play, the confidence continues to go up. And with that, like you mentioned, the team's confidence continues to go up. And I know there's been some struggles and he's still a young kid and there's going to be more struggles to come. But I think this is a, a, a kid and goal that they can build around for the long-term future. Absolutely. And I, for me, I, Ability to know shooters in this league is the most important thing for goalie. I think that's why goalies don't really reach their peak until a few years in when they really kind of know how everyone shoots. Like you watch Sean Evans shoot the ball, and I know it looks like he's coming hard overhand and shooting high, and then at the last second he's going to yank down with his bottom hand and pull it low five-hole. Like I know that from years of experience of watching the guy. Um, a, a young goalie, it might take him a game or two of getting shelled by him to get that. And so to get that from every team, every player takes time. Obviously, Orleans got a brother who plays too, who's also a goalie. That's super helpful. I think that will. Who's taking shots win. on who there though, Mitch? Like that's a real rarity. Usually you got big brother sticking little brother in the goal and ripping shots at him. But what are these guys doing? They're like mir- mirroring each other, making saves. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I get they're probably bringing in the big guns in uh, in Orangeville. You know, they're getting their they get the whole school going up there <laughs> with goalies. But uh, you know, they, they yeah, I think just the he already kind of has that core of being a great stopper, and then when he adds on the knowledge that takes time to acquire of playing against every shooter and learning their tendencies, um, that's gonna that's gonna only bring him to that next level. No, this is this is related. I don't want to jump around too much, but just being related to tendencies and knowing what other teams are up to. I thought a really great game this weekend was the Albany Firewolves and the San Diego Seals. And there's been a lot of real interesting games this year when East meets West. And you've been in these games where in Mitch, where you played against a team in the East that you might only see once every two years. And I think that was the case with Albany and San Diego. Like their first time meeting, they're a real different story there. But you know, is it different as a player going into an East-West game? Do they just, does it just feel weird playing a team that you're only going to see once every two years when you might not have a book and and know what those tendencies are going to be for, for an offensive player? Yeah, I think it's 100% just that, like like you said, it's the implicit knowledge of every guy's tendencies and guys that you just see month in and month out. You, you, you kind of know where they're going to be, what style they're going to play. And then you also have the the like familiarity with the venue and the travel plan and how that that works out um, and what that's like. So I think that that was a case where it really worked to the firewall's advantage. I also think the fact that the seals were off for a, a, quite a while before that game played to the firewall's advantage. They played a bunch of games, a couple back to backs, and and really had like had the same lineup in too. So they were really gelling there. Um, but they just they executed really well on uh, on Saturday night. I actually caught the caught the back half of that driving home for my game, and then when I got home, um, so it was exciting to to get to watch that and, and see them get a, a really important win for them. I think there's something to be said for that, like knowing what you're getting yourself into when you're going on a road trip, knowing what the hotel is that you're going to stay at, what's around it, how long it takes to get to the arena, like all that sort of stuff matters for your comfortability and your routine and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I think that's a great point, Mitch. Um, 
Galpine, and, and maybe let, I want to jump back to the Riptide here for a second because I think Dan Latasur deserves a little bit of shine in all this with the way he has constructed this roster and stuck with it and coached him up. And you could see after the game when he was handing out the game ball that how you know pr- prideful he was of his team and that victory. You've had a chance to have some pretty in-depth conversations with this guy being being around. Give me your take on Dan Latasur and, and where he can take this team. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, like, you know, there's not many guys in the league that I respect and appreciate more than Laddie. And that's from going back to days of him being a coach of mine and now kind of working together as a colleague. But he just is salt of the earth, tells it like it is, knows the game inside and out, prepares so well. Um, and like you said, he just he keeps that mo- that positive motivation. Um, and he's just like, just a solid, you know, steady, steady. He doesn't get too high. doesn't get too low. Obviously I think there was that stretch there where he's frustrated that they're not winning, but he was like, I, I tell myself, I got to stick to the game plan. I tell myself, this is not a short-term plan and, and it clearly is working and, and he does it the right way. And he gets the most out of his guys and, and having that steadying pay. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a, he was a SWAT, a SWAT police officer. So he's in these high pressure situations. <laughs> high pressure situations, really intense. So for him, the lacrosse side, that's the, that's the easy part, even when things are really tough. Yeah. But uh, if you ever saw him yeah. play Mitch, uh, you would know what, what he brought to the table. Like uh, it wasn't probably, yeah, it wasn't I may skill. Have for a year. <laughs> oh, I, may really? have by a year. I think, I think one, maybe one year, his last year might've been my first year. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Mean. How about, how about Jeff T not a SWAT team member, but uh, as cool and calm as you can possibly be in the national lacrosse. He doesn't even look like the guy has a heartbeat sometimes the way that he plays, but you've heard you articulate this on the broadcast that it's almost a disservice to fans that it makes it look, he makes the lacrosse game look so easy. Um, You've seen him up close and personal a lot this season. What tell the folks here, uh, Mitch, what do you think makes Jeff T so special? Cornell, right? It's got to be that. <laughs> it's just big red heritage, yeah. Um, no, I'm bummed he didn't get to uh, finish out his campaign there because of COVID. That, that's probably the biggest regret for me that Cornell didn't uh, get a shot at the ship because of, with him at the helm. But he just, he just, he, he makes such good decisions and he's excellent at everything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's really a better way to put it. Like when you do, when you shoot better than everyone, when you pass better than everyone, and then you make the right decision in every situation you don't have to be six, four, two forty. Like he's just, he's just incredibly good at everything. And then always makes the right call. Um, his three goals were just like, he might not be on a SWAT team, but that guy is a sniper. Like oh, absolutely. Wow. Hey, now like you might save that gold for the broadcast there, Mitch. Like, <laughs> that, uh, that was nice right there. He's just like, you know, painting corners and, I, I don't know if he had scored other than power play, if he had scored an outside goal prior to the game, he, he everything he had done was either inside or, or off ball movement. And then he goes out in three, just exact same spot, far corner, near corner, far corner, just painting it. So the guy just can do it all. And he does it in a very calm, cool, I, the game winning goal. If you look carefully, he like looks quickly to see how much time he has and then looks at the goal and then just, whoop, just casually puts it under. Yeah. Um, well, under, I mean, I guess, there's very yeah, th- there's very few guys in the league that can slow the game down the way he can. Like when he's got the ball in a stick, the game moves at his pace. Nobody's going to dictate 
what he does and how fast he does it. He does the dictating, which as a rookie, like, he's a rookie. Yeah. Like we, that's when you think about guys who do that, it's Dawson. It was Josh Sanderson. Yeah. Doby does a little bit of that. Like, it's usually guys that have a lot of miles that have seen everything. And figured it out. Everything. Like he's figured he's it out right away in his, in his seventh game. It's, it's uncanny. And, and we like, I put the, the bar at hit, like he makes scoring seven points a game. Look, pedestrian. Like, 12, 10 is a big night for him. Seven is like an average night for Jeff Teat when that's a monster night for most guys, which is mind-blowing. And and the guy across the floor in, in Callum Crawford, Mitch, and, and, you know, you spent some time, we spent some time with Callum in Minnesota as well. It seems like it's a bit of a different Callum Crawford this year where it's not, I'm going to do it, get on my back, here we go. It's Callum Crawford sharing the ball, making the right decisions at the right time. And we were kind of talking about it in our chat group about how Callum has kind of changed and transformed a little bit this season. And I attributed it to Callum realizing that there's not too many shots left here and he doesn't have a ring yet. And if he wants to get one, he might have to change a little bit and probably having 51 across the floor helps too. But it's been a different looking showtime this season. Yeah, and I thought he got back to, I called it Callum Crawford throwback night on Saturday. He, he looked like the Callum of old. There was one goal he had where patented swim move, rollback, fake, jump shot. It was like four four Callum Crawford uh, signature moves all strung yeah. together, and, yeah. and he scored. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's I think it's a mix of things. I think, like you said, having Jeff Teed on the far side, big piece of it. It also takes a little pressure off him. I think he he's been struggling to – to win just one-on-one like he did in the past. But part of that is defenses have gotten so much better. Guys have gotten so much bigger and stronger in this league and, and no tendencies. Um, and, and then he's just got the supporting pieces around him. So uh, it's certainly, there have been times where you could see, I think against the wings, their first win, it was kind of like he, he stepped up when they needed him to. So he's still got that and can go to it when necessary. Um, but he also recognizes he doesn't have to be that guy the entire game or all games. If playoffs started today, Albany would be at the fourth seed in the East. Philly would cross over to the West and Georgia would be on the outside looking in. Is that how you see the season ending, Mitch? Or does that bottom three sort of shuffle around a bit? Yeah, that's, I, I think the firewalls wings and swarm is going to, is going to come down to the last two weeks of the season. And I think they all play each other in the last two weeks too. So I really, I, I, I think the swarm are going to make it, um, I, for me, the wings just offensively lack something uh, settled five on five. They just don't have a spark or the energy to create those inside looks. They have great outside shooters. They just seem like a perimeter offense to me. And I think they have to be more dynamic if they want to take that next step. And then the firewall, same thing. I, I think they're just so spotty offensively, um, but then they go out and they beat the seals and show why they can be great. So um, I really think those three, it's going to come down to who kind of puts it all together down the stretch here. And I really think any three of them could make it and, and any two of them could be on the outside looking in. Last one here for me, Mitch, we got uh, Ryan Banesh coming up in about three minutes. I know we kind of talked about Minnesota already, but do you have a, a Benny memory or story we can uh, we can regale him with and, and when we have him on here in the next couple minutes? Man. There's a lot. That, I wish I wish I had time to prepare for this one because how about the old butterfoot at the sticking with the downtown or the old butterfoot at, 
I still got a stain on a pair of shoes from that. <laughs> I think I've heard that story so many times. Those must have been your favorite shoes, John. Nah, he really, he nah, really nah, did you nah, in, got nah, inside nah. your head on Pretty that. bitter. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. <laughs> Every time I look down, there it is. Benny, Benny's just like, you know, one of the all time happiest guys you'll ever meet and always has a big smile. And I guess maybe probably there's recency bias. I saw him uh, after, after I called the Philadelphia versus, versus uh, Firewolves game and just gave him a big hug. Of course, he's just butt naked because he's in the locker room coming out of the shower. Comes up and gives him a big hug. I'm like, all right, good to, good to see yeah, you. Yeah. you know, things are like the olden days. No, nothing's changed here. So. It was great to great to catch back up with him, and he's just uh, he's just an awesome guy. As Dan Lomas would say, just a couple of guys with their wrenches out talking talking lax, nothing better. Um, <laughs> Mitch, thanks for doing. We didn't even get a chance to get to the ESPN stuff here, but uh, by the way, your boy Brendan Glasheen tweeted just something really offensive out last night. I don't know if you saw this or not, but he tweeted out a picture. No way, no better way to end a Sunday night. Than this, did you see this? It was a bowl of like dried up popcorn and some like low budget crackers with a ball of like cheese whiz or something. And I like I was concerned. Like I almost texted him and said, like, do you need to borrow some money for real food here? Like, no better way to end a Sunday night than popcorn and cheese whiz. Like, come on, Clashing, figure it out. He's, he's a he's a classic food troll. If you see his weekly. Uh, chicken picks i mean oh, it's like god man he's a lot of chicken yeah half cooked yeah. the guy yeah. loves trolling the food uh, food twitter so anytime know. he posts something he eats better than he than he presents on twitter i'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> best of luck with uh the rest of the broadcast mitch we enjoy your work and we enjoyed our conversation here on lax class hopefully we just made this your favorite podcast thanks guys i'll, I'll tally all the votes and get back to you oh man okay Checks in, the mail. Checks in the mail. Mitch Belial, New York Riptide analyst, ESPN Game of the Week. Uh, check out his work. ESPN, TSN, all the rest of it. Uh, Mr. Luxurious, thanks for doing this. Thanks, gentlemen. There you go, Brad. Uh, Mitch Belial had a great time with him in, in Minnesota and, and getting to know him. And, uh, man, you know, coming off his playing career, John Arlotta, giving Mitch a tap saying, Hey, like, I think you'd be pretty good at this. And he doesn't hand out those kind of invites very lightly. And another good decision there by the owner of the swarm, because Mitch has turned into to one of the best analysts in the game. No, hundred percent. Just a treasure to listen to every week and the chemistry with glass and the way that those guys get to travel around and, and visit every Benny's. And the key about creating a good broadcast partnership is, is repetitions, right. And doing it together and, and getting in that booth. And I thought those two guys are really creating something special down South and it's a treat, uh, it's a treat every week. No doubt. Uh, from one Minnesota Swarm player to another, this guy's played on a lot of teams. What is this lacrosse me. classified circa 2013? It could There's be. been a lot of Swarm talk today. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with it. Uh, you're Hey, you're like the, the Swarm fanboy from 2019 or something like that. So Georgia Swarm. Stick Georgia with Swarm. It. Swarm is Swarm. Ryan Benesh, Benny Boy, is next quarter three coming up here. EP 173, back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. 
Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Casey Powell. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified, Lax Class, into the second half of action, quarter number three. Jake Elliott, Brad Schellner with you. With us from day number one have been associated labels and packaging. A fun family-owned company with over 40 years of experience, extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment. Associate Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Find them online at AssociatedLP, as in labelsandpackaging.com. Thank you for their continued support. Uh, back on the podcast here is Ryan Banesh of the Albany Firewolves. Ryan, what... Uh, Congrats on the big win over San Diego on the weekend, by the way. Albany is team number what for you in the National Cross League? Eight? Uh, yeah, eight maybe. I, I, I've i been on so many teams, I lost count. Can we run it down for the fans here? Can you remember? Like, Can you go back to the beginning of Toronto and San Jose? And Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was drafted by San Jose and traded to Toronto in the same year. Uh, then I was moved to Edmonton and then Minnesota and Buffalo, Colorado, Rochester, and then Halifax, I guess, <laughs> uh, Panther city and now Albany. There you go. You're going to run out of skin for the tattoo. I'm fact checking as you talk. And I, I think, I think that worked out. I think you yeah. know your stuff. My memory's still here a little bit anyway. Well, I know you're a little groggy. You're, you're just kind of getting up here uh, to, to help us record Lacrosse Classified. It was a long trip back from SoCal to Ontario. I think you, you said you got in around 2.30 a.m. after uh, all was said and done. But, you know, those trips are tough, Ryan, and, and grueling on you. But uh, always a little easier when you're coming home with a W in your pocket. No, for sure. Um, and it, you know, that's a, that was a win that we absolutely needed. Um, we were on a little three game losing streak there and, um, not to say that, you know, morale was down by any means, but it's just one of those things where, you know, if you're, you're on a slide like that, things can get pretty ugly pretty quickly. And, you know, for us to rebound the way that we did after losing the two games last weekend to Buffalo and Toronto, I, you know, it's, it's something special for sure. Well, you guys have had a tough schedule. And even, you know, Jumbo and I were kicking this around on the podcast last week, but just looking at that schedule and then thinking, okay, Albany's coming off a couple of tough losses. They're going their longest road trip of the year down to San Diego. There is a little bit of Vegas fever down there where I saw Daryl Gibson napping in the sunshine by a pool before the game. And, you know, all the stuff that goes into going into San Diego, that was going to be a tough place to go in and win to. But what's it like going from playing an Eastern team that you're sorry, a Western team for you now that you barely see, you know, you're not, you're not going to know a ton about, you know, is it weird going into a, a Western game? Yeah. I mean, for sure it is. Um, but the, you know, like the, th- the thing with us, with our league is, um, you know, coaching staffs and, and players, you know, we rely on each other um, to put, you know, game plans together. We do a scouting reports and um, so you know, it's on us to like kind of do our homework before those games going into them. We need to know, you know, obviously Dane Dolby's one of the best players in the league. We, we knew we had to shut him down. And he did. You know, and, and I think we did, which, you know, which is huge. Obviously, you know, Audie and, and, and Bergie had great games, but, 
to be able to shut down a guy like Dane Dolby is something something to say for our defense and for Dougie, that's for sure. Was that first quarter a feeling out process? One one after after fifteen and and I think that's sometimes what it takes to to play a team that you don't play against. <laughs> and then thirteen. Very often. The like, what is this quarter. game gonna feel like, right? Did it take a while to get going? Yeah. I mean it, it was definitely a feeling out process. Um they have a great defense, right? And they're very um they're very organized and situational uh and well coached. So um it was it just took a bit for us to kind of understand exactly what they were trying to do on defense. And you know, once we understood uh some of the finer points that were gonna help us be successful on the floor and we started doing that, then you know, you saw the ball starting to drop into the net. Speaking with Ryan Vinesh, Albany Firewalls. Let's talk about your Firewalls here a little bit, Ryan. Like, uh, I don't know how many of these guys you've played with, you know, throughout summers or on other teams, but I mean, and and I think, you know, the fact you're top nine, top eight in all-time scoring the league tells me you can fit in pretty much anywhere you're plucked down in, but um, you've you've seemingly found some nice chemistry with with guys like Joey Raz and Andrew Q and O'Connor and and Rue, uh, what's the transformation been like to, to fall into Albany and, and get to know some of these guys and, and find some chemistry with them? It's been amazing. Um, said it from day one, you know, when I got, when I got traded over to Albany, they welcomed me into the locker room with open arms. And, um, you know, as a guy who's been through <laughs> being traded a few times, um, you know, that's one of the biggest things for you, uh, to feel comfortable. Um, you know, the chemistry part, you can you can grow that on the floor and, and through practices and conversations and stuff like that. But um, to walk into the locker room and you know everybody come shake your hand, introduce themselves, smile, you know, crack jokes and and uh, you know for the coaches too, just to you know to let me be who I am. Obviously, I'm not the most rah rah let's go kind of guy. I'm more of a goofy, relaxed person in the locker room and. Some coaches love it. Some coaches hate it. But, um, you know, Clarkie's been amazing so far. He, he's, uh, he's allowed me to, you know, be the person that I am. And, and obviously that translates to the, the player I can be on the floor. Yeah, talk a little more about, about Clarkie. How is he different than some coaches you've had in the past? He's done a great job with this Albany club, but what, what makes him special? Just his calm demeanor on the bench, and you know, in the in the locker room, and um, he's just, you know, he 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 gets fired up, but he gets fired up for the right reasons, and and he's not uh, not the kind of guy that's going to come down at the end of the bench and grab you by the back of your jersey and scream down your throat like some coaches that I've had, but uh, you know, he's. You want to name any under- of those coaches, Benny? You want to throw yeah. anybody? <laughs> I think we all know yeah, who he okay. is. But, yeah. um, no, you know, like he understands, right? He he's played the game and he's coached the game a long time. So uh, he really knows how to connect with his players. And, and that's something that, you know, for guys like myself and probably some of the younger guys on the team too, it's going to go a long way, right? We're not playing scared. You're not playing, you know, like walking on eggshells. You're, you're allowed to make mistakes and you learn from them. And he teaches you your mistake. He doesn't yell at you for it. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very good situation and a great coaching uh, strategy. Yeah. Speaking of coaches, I want to give a, a shout out here to Clem, who I, I saw a tweet out uh, about his boy blasting through his, his chemo and his treatment and uh, how long that's been going on and how hard he's had to fight. And, and uh, man, that was a pretty uh, emotional read. And, and I'm so glad that uh, the Durazio family is, 
as strong and as tough as they are. Um, what about Albany, though, Benny? Like, I've never been to the Capital Region, but MVP Arena has seemingly been a, a pretty tough place to to go in and, and get a victory. Talk about the vibe around Albany and the job that Oliver Marty and George Manius and, and the whole group there has done to create the buzz for the Firewolves, who I say... You tell me, Brad, uh, what, top three uniforms, home and away, in the NLL? Well, I think they're, I think their Maroons are top two. I go, I like those Albany Maroons and the Warriors Whites, I yeah. think, are the two best jerseys in the league for me. Yeah, those, our jerseys are pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. But what's <laughs> it brings a, me back to my junior days when oh, I was playing for the Braves in the Maroon and White. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah, tell me about Albany and, and what it's been like, uh, you know, launching the franchise <laughs> off there. It's been great. Um, you know, uh, Albany is a lacrosse town. They obviously, they have uh, the University of Albany, right? And, we, and some great players that have played there. Um, you know, Joel Resiteris and Lyle Thompson. There's many more you can... Is Joey you know, like a rock more. star around there? Like, does he just walk around and, like, sign autographs <laughs> all day? What's going on? Joe's just a rock star in general, man. <laughs> the, guy, the guy just... I don't know. You have to be around him. He just... He he's so under underlyingly funny. Yeah. It, like you just I don't know. He just he is a, he's a rock star for sure. He's his own he's his own rock star. Make his um, case make his case for MVP right now because he's leading the league in points at halfway at the halfway point right now. He's on pace for another hundred point season. Make make his pitch for MVP here, Benny. Just look at what he's been doing on the floor. I, I don't. You don't have to make a case for it. Is anybody who knows lacrosse? that watches the game knows exactly what Joe's been doing on the floor. He's leading our team. He's, he's the floor general out there, right? He's doing everything that's asked of him. He's scoring goals. He's setting picks. He's, you know, he's getting the apples. He's getting the loose balls. He's playing incredibly lights out. And, you know, for us to be successful, we're going to need that from him day in and day out. And he's the kind of guy that gives it to you, right? He, he doesn't take a day off. He, he makes no excuses. Uh, he's 110%, 110% of the time. Yeah, and and I think, like, he can play any role that you need him to play as well. Like, I think when Steph and Callum were there, he had to play second fiddle a little bit, and he thrived in that situation. And now that he's the, the number one guy on that right side, he's thrived in that and, and stepped his game up to, to a level where he's producing like a number one guy. We don't want to make this all about Joey Rez, who's – Got a third kid on the way. Benny, you just had your first. Uh, congrats on that, man. It looks great on you. I know uh, you and your lovely bride have been super happy, and, and now parents. Uh, how has that, if at all, changed you as a lacrosse player, you know, becoming married and, and having a baby? Um, obviously, it gives you a little more uh, emotion to play, right? Um I know he's not like he's not old enough to to understand what's going on, but you know we've had him out to a couple games now. He came to Albany and came to Buffalo, and you know he's in the crowd with with mom, and you know just I won't lie to you the the day that uh, that Jade brought him down to the glass, man, that was emotional as, as all can be because uh, you know it's it's just like it's just one of those things that you know for myself. Um, I've always wanted to, to have a child come see me and watch me play lacrosse, you know, and just look out there and say, you know, that's daddy out there. But, um, no, it's, 
definitely life changing for sure. So uh, are you going to keep going until your your boy can get to that point where he realizes what daddy's doing? Like, I mean, Ryan, you, what you put up another eight points this past weekend or whatever it was, and they're just like. I watch you, and it doesn't seem like there's any slowing down in your game. How much longer do you think you can push it? I mean, I'll I'll play as long as uh, as long as I can, as long as I'm producing on the floor, right? Um, I always said I'll know when it's time. Um, if I'm not, you know, if I'm not scoring goals, if I'm not doing anything productive to help the team, then it's time to walk away. Um, but you know, for me, I feel good, and it it's a product of. Of again, again, just the players that I'm playing with, the coaches that I have, right? Like the the guys, the younger guys on our team, they have no clue how important they are to like guys my age and wanting to continue to play. Because those young kids, they make you feel young. You have fun, right? You get to the you get to the bus, you get to the the rink, you get on the planes, and it's all laughs and smiles, and it's. You know, it sucks kind of leaving your family for the weekend, but at the same time, you're going to your second family and, you know, you look forward to seeing everybody. You look forward to hearing the stories from the, from the week or, you know, the night, if everybody, if guys went out, you know, on the Sunday coming home, you, you love hearing the stories of what happened for me. Like that's one thing that I'll probably miss the most, right. Yeah. Is just being in the locker room with the guys. So, um, I just, as long as as long as the team wants me and and I'm I feel like I can still produce and you know still feel young at heart then I'll just keep going until I can't. Are you one of the guys that you think COVID the break helped you rest your body and take some take some reps off and come back feeling a little fresher? How did you handle the 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 pandemic? Uh, um, yes and no. I mean, it was definitely nice to give the body a break but I definitely didn't like with the gyms being closed and stuff. And you got the iron jungle there at, at Cassidy. I Bend, though, right? No, I got, I got the gym in the basement, but you know, it's like, it's one of those things where you can only go so, as hard as you want. In the basement. <laughs> a lot of times it's like, I'll go run on the treadmill for 15 minutes and call it a day. And like, that's good enough. I'll just, I'll do something more tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and I don't do it. And I'm like, Oh God. But, um, no, COVID definitely, it, it benefited and then it didn't benefit, right? It's just, lacrosse is one of those games where the more you play, the better you get. And, you know, for two years, I just throwing the ball down in the basement, like, or, or going to a school and throwing it off the wall. Like, it's just not the same. You know, the reps aren't the same. Your body's not used to getting hit anymore. And so, I mean, it, it was a blessing and a curse. Let's just put it that way. No, it's a good way, to, good way to put it. Last one for me here for you, Benny, is that you started the year in, in PCLC, and they looked like they put a pretty special camp together. Like, Tracy Koleski's been a, quote, machine this season, the way that he sort of fired up that team and the mindset they've been given. What did you take away from that uh, that camp and that first few weeks of, of Panther City? And are you keeping an eye on that team now with one eye? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I have no, no uh, ill feelings towards Panther City at all. Um, you know, I had uh, I had talked to Bob beforehand, um, before him taking me, and you know, I, I like I'll be honest with you, I was a little skeptical at first if I could make it work. Obviously, with a newborn, with my job, and everything like that, traveling like traveling to the Western Division every weekend it was going to be a pretty taxing on on life, and 
you know, Hammer was great. Hammer did everything that he possibly could to make me comfortable. And, you know, after, you know, discussing everything with my wife, we came up with a pretty good game plan of how we were going to handle everything. And at, at, at first, it, you know, everything was going great. Um, and when Hammer called and said that he traded me to Albany because he wanted me to be closer to home, um, it's something that, you know, I can't say thank you enough, even though I didn't ask him to trade me there. Um, him keeping, you know, my best interests in, in mind was, uh, you know, something that speaks volumes on the kind of guy that Bob Hamley really is. Last one here for you, Ryan Banesh. And, uh, you look at the Albany Firewall schedule coming up here the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be a tough one here for you guys. Buffalo coming up this weekend, then a Halifax game, the following, um, you know, that, you guys beating San Diego has to give you that belief going into those next couple of games that you can play with the best in this league. If you guys are on. Oh uh, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, there's been no lack of belief in our room. Um, if you watch the games, there's, there's points to every game in every game that, you know, shows how good we actually can be when we want to be. Um, when we were in Buffalo, two weeks ago there and I think we scored seven goals in one quarter right we came back we tied the game we I think we took the lead too or whatever like if you watch that game you see how good we actually can be um it, it's a scary thing just it's one of those things where we need to learn when we're rolling like that to keep the ball rolling to to put the foot on you know this on the throat, so to speak right you know the old saying keep the foot on the gas um but us beating San Diego, you know, them being, I think everybody had ranked them like the best team in the league or whatever. Um, but for us to beat them, you know, puts a little bit of a, even more of a confidence boost in the room. And, you know, now it's just a matter of uh, getting rested and, and being ready to, to play Buffalo. Uh, they're a great team. And, you know, they got one of arguably, arguably the best goalie in the world. And, you know, some of the best offensive players in the game and their defense is big and mean and strong. So, um, you know, we're going to have to obviously look back at the game that we played them, take take the positives, take the negatives, do some homework and come ready to play. Just before I let you go, was that the craziest thing you've ever seen being, all, you know, both teams being shut out in two quarters and all the goals being scored in one game? Like, have you ever seen anything like that? No, I didn't even understand like what happened. Everyone was like, was saying like all the goals got scored on that one side. Like, that's like, never that going to happen possible? ever again in in the NFL. No. Like I don't think it ever will ever happen again. Like that was one of the wildest things I've ever. Like and I didn't really realize it was happening until I don't know. Like, I was what? trying to like put it all together in my head. I'm like, hold on, wait a sec. Like Rooster <laughs> scored in the first quarter, and then I was like. <laughs> And then the third, we buried a bunch. And I'm like, wait a sec. Yeah, we didn't score in the yeah. second and fourth. Like. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. Uh, Benny, always a pleasure getting you on Lax Class here. Keep her going with your firewalls, man. And uh, best of luck with, with fatherhood and all. That must be like bottle time right now. So we'll, we got to let you go. 
<laughs> yeah, he's waking up. I can hear him downstairs having a little cry. There you go. Enjoy, man. And my uh, bottle time too, but a different yeah. kind of bottle. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. No worries, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, there you go, Ryan Banesh, Albany Firewolves, and uh, we love talking lacrosse with Ryan Banesh, man. Uh, just you know, a veteran of this league, obviously, Brad, but uh, seasoned when it comes to the interview part of the game as well, and. A guy that has literally been around and, and seen it and done it all in this league. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it, right? Just just this like sort of chill, laid-back confidence that only comes with playing 200 games in the National Lacrosse League and being, being drugged through the, the rigors of, of seasons inside and out. And, you know, interesting comments uh, for everything. But what stood out to me was, you know, he's talking about you only get better at lacrosse by playing more lacrosse. You got to master your craft. Right. And I think about that a lot when, when guys take summers off and sometimes guys take a summer off to, to rest their body. Yeah. Cause it's not tough everyone to play in the WLA, but, not everyone but some do guys do. And some guys come out the other, like, look at a Dan Dawson. Like that guy's never missed a summer yeah. in his life. It's right. And, and Benny's yeah. kind of, Benny's in that category too. So uh, fantastic chat, fantastic player. We wish him the best of luck the rest of the way. Listen, he's a hall of famer in my books regardless oh but, yeah was he was the one that we were talking about a few weeks ago yeah. and you asked me and i laughed in your face on the show well, like, obviously yeah he, obviously. i just want to like, see benny get hope, a ring i just yeah, want to see him get a I, ring i hope he does and that's not gonna that's not gonna hold him back from getting in the hall of fame or not i just i want to see him get one i want to see calm Crawford get one i want to see brody merrill get one i don't know of those three uh, benny might have benny and brody probably have the best chance in the next year or two of doing that yeah um, I want all three of those guys to leave with championships. I think those are the three best players without in the game right now without without rings for yeah, sure. Same, same. All right, uh, quarter three is now done, which means we just have one quarter to go. We'll welcome our buddy Evan Schemenauer back on the podcast. Week 14, who you got? It was a wild week 13. And Lax Class Locks is we're going to combo up our parlay and put some jumbo bucks in your pockets. Quarter four, EP 173 is after this. Hey, this is Reese Dutch. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. Now it's time for another round of Who You Got? Fourth quarter time here on Lax Class. No more breaks. And Jake Kelly, Brett Schellner with you. And now joining the podcast once again. Wait for it. This is how we do this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Friday. I still can't get that out of my head. Uh, Evan Chaminer on the podcast. Uh, welcome back to Lax Class. Evan, how's it going? Oh, it's going all right, I guess. It's just trying times. Uh, the war in Ukraine is very close to my family. My ex-wife is from central Ukraine. Uh, several family members still there. My kids are little freaked out about their grandpa being in Ukraine at the moment, but uh, we're powering through. Yeah, scary times in our world, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I hope for the best uh, for everything for the Schemenauer clan and extended family alike. Um, we kicked off the top here talking about the departure of Nick Sakevich from the National Lacrosse League. And, you know, a lot of factors playing into it, Evan, but you kind of came across some news just as we're 
recording here is uh, we want to wrap this up, too, because I want to watch my Canucks beat your New Jersey Devils. But uh, speaking of the NHL, you got wind of an Elliot Friedman report that Nick Sakevich could be on his way to the desert to join the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Paul Tuck has got an article up on the Laxmake about this. It would be an interesting fit. For those that don't know the whole backstory to the Arizona Coyotes, they are the poorest team in the NHL. They've had all kinds of issues. They filed for bankruptcy protection about a decade ago. The league owned them for a couple of years. They uh, tried to work out deals with their existing arena to switch things up with their lease. They got it done only for the city to back out of it a year later, then kick them out of the arena. And they're trying to build a new arena in Tempe now. Uh, they're going to be playing in this temporary 5,000-seat arena. Yeah, Arizona State, college. Arizona college State. State. So if Nick is headed there, he's got one of the biggest challenges of his life ahead of him to try and recuperate this team. I don't know how it's done because I think hockey fans, for the most part, have given up on this team. It's like, when are you when are you moving? It, it's right? the location, so, man. And I think if they get in the right spot, build a new arena in, in Tempe, they'll – the people are there, but driving out to Glendale 40 nights a week is just not going to work in Arizona. So something to keep an eye on uh, for the future of former commissioner Nick Sakevich could end up. Yeah. Like could there be, if he, if he was to go there and I don't know what his capacity role would be there, but I think with the history of the national lacrosse league and how it did for a couple of years there the in dots. Arizona, yeah. is there, is there a connection there? Maybe he's a, he's a president and an owner of an NLL team on his own former commissioner and then bringing the, the desert dogs back or the Arizona sting back. Who knows? But uh, let's, let's get the rumors flying here. Why not? Um, Brad, you're back in your garage for quarter four here, as you often like to do. Uh, what do you, you got some exotic, like African beer you're sipping on here tonight or something? What do you got? What do you got going there? No, I'm keeping it pretty clean and simple tonight. Uh, going over to God's country. This is a Victoria Pilsner from the good folks at Vancouver Island Brewery. All natural since 1984. They make not only, you know, is golfing good over there and the weather what is it? and it, lacrosse what, and everything. Uh, the beer, Pilsner? the beer is good. From no, I just said it's a Pilsner, the Victoria oh, okay. Pilsner. I wasn't. Listening. So it's ni- ni- nice and clean. Nothing too, uh, nothing too fruity or aromatic here tonight. All right, stay, stay focused. Uh, it's time for who you got. It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Who you got brought to you by Stampede Tech and Western Wear, of course. So I'm going to have some new information coming here soon for Stampede Tech and Western Wear. But for right now, they carry a wide selection of cars. They always carry a wide selection of Carhartt, hoodies, jackets, T-shirts, overalls, toques, and beanies. Carhartt is both functional and fashionable. Need some gear for your crew at work? Ask them about their corporate or bulk orders. They even have Carhartt for kids. Be sure to drop by Stampede Tech out there in Cloverdale. Stampede.ca. Shopping online is still shopping local. Boulay. Ariat, Carhartt, Wrangler, the list goes on of the big names that Stampede Tack and Western Wear carries. We mentioned in quarter number one here, fellows, just a complete 
bonkers week in the National Lacrosse League. Three and three. That's the best that anybody did. Nobody picked the New York Riptide this the past week. Uh, I went three and three. Brad, I think you went three and three. Evan, you went three and three. No, two and four. Okay, thanks. Because I had I had Colorado. Perfect. Good. It's telling though, and I jumped. You said this earlier, but let's reinforce that. Like over a hundred people participated in this this week, and the best that anyone did was 50%. Like we've seen, we've been seeing people go seven and oh in yeah. weeks and, and six, six and oh, no problem. Yeah, but what a wacky weekend it was. And I think it's only going to be this way every weekend going forward as we get into week 14. Oh baby. Week 14, Brad, you're still uh, lingering around the top 10 there. I think I dropped a few spots. Uh, Evan just plummeted to the, to the basement. I don't, I couldn't even find him on the list. I just got tired of scrolling. I think downwards. I'm still ahead of you overall. Uh, I, I gotta look that so. up. I think your brother might. Um, so Brad, I think. Well, this is the point I'm making here. So I don't know how many people went three for three, but the confidence number you put down beside your teams, especially the ones that win, really mattered in this case, Evan, for our Week 13 winner, who is yes, yes. is uh, Matt Hanna. And uh, Matt was rescued in seven minutes into overtime when Robert Church was shot. He had the rush down for an eight, which mm-hmm. is really what the difference was. He had the rush right for an eight. He had Buffalo ah. for a seven. And I think he had Halifax for a five. So if you're going three for three, that was almost as perfect as you could get. But it was just nuts because, you know, like you said, nobody took Toronto or sorry, nobody took New York. One person took Panther City, but they were on like a real upset pick week and picked Rochester amongst the group. Yeah. And only four people took Albany. And I think all everybody took Albany also took Colorado. Yeah. Well, there you go. So uh, parody, man. It's a parody league. Yeah. Congrats to. And by the way, you are still behind me by three points overall. Yeah. The game's still under protest, uh, under appeal there, that uh, Buffalo-Toronto game from a couple weeks ago. So we'll see if we can get that situation rectified. Uh, Brad, so I think with you still sitting atop the, the standings there, I suppose you get to host this week as we both went 3-3. Three and three. Bit of a trend here, yeah. First place still in spitting distance, so anything uh, anything possible. Blake, Let's kick by the way, off. Blake Milton just, just chirps you constantly on... Well, because I get cocky here, you know? He's... Yeah. Uh, you know he's he's in the kitchen. I don't mind. He it. wants he wants to battle. He's he's right on my heels. Jimmer's coming forth, for so. you too. Watch out! I see him. Everyone's coming, but a lot of season left. Week fourteen, we'll kick it off Friday night, four thirty West Coast time. The three and six Rochester Nighthawks visit the four and six Georgia Swarm. An important game in terms of playoff implications for the Georgia Swarm. Can they get back into contention with the win over Rochester? Evan Schemenauer, who you got? Well, not just an important game for Georgia, an important game for Rochester because a loss probably takes them out of the playoff race. <sighs> Georgia, they have their ups, their downs. There's just not a massive consistency. I'm taking the swarm, but it's my three pick this week. Jake Elliott, who you got? I got with two T's the Georgia Swarm as well here. Rested, uh, chance to prepare for Nighthawks coming in a little wounded after a. Another beat down by the Bandits, and I'm pretty confident in this matchup here at Gas South Arena. Swarm for a seven. See, when I look at, I, there's a good exercise to make all your picks and then see 
how ridiculous it looks. Like, I think I had the home team winning five out of six games, and there's just no way that that's going to happen. This is one of the ones that I went back. Sorry to cut you (laughs) off here, but I just have to get this in. Teddy Jenner, (laughs) his take on Coast to Coast last week, said that San Diego was going to be the only home team (laughs) to win a game. It went, like, the exact opposite of that. They lost and everything else went wrong on that. Uh, you know, it's burning take as well. It's dangerous to make burning I know, takes to put yourself out there. And there's <laughs> ones that come back to haunt you. Yeah. People are posting clips from three months ago going, oh, here's what you said about Tom Crawford. And here's what you said about Jeff. Like, it is it is bold to put yourself out there every week, but it's not something the I have being to but, but if you hit, it's, it's, it's good on you. Like exactly. Devin Katie gotta, is smiling face. If the rush missed the playoffs, she's going to be, yeah, it's like baby. Like it's like a batting average in, in, in baseball. Like you throw out, you throw out 10 hot takes. If yeah. they're, if three of them hit, you're, you're doing pretty good. Right. So my take this week, I, I, I like, yeah, I, you listed these all. There's not going to be five out of six home teams winning. This was one I went back and revised. So I'm going to have to take the Rochester Nighthawks. Um, Georgia, a little bit hot and cold at home. Rochester is coached well. They've got competitors on that team. I like how teams respond from beatdowns. Rochester getting swept by the Buffalo Bandits is not going to sit well. So I'm going to take the Nighthawks in this one, friends, with a four. Okay. Let's go into our other Friday night matchup, 7 o'clock West Coast, the third and final meeting of the season between the San Diego Seals and the Calgary Roughnecks. Seals 6-2, and two, Roughnecks 3-5. and five. Roughnecks are 0-2 against San Diego this season, including a loss at Pachanga earlier this year. Dane Doby still hobbled, but Evan Schemenauer, but you got... I actually got San Diego with a fairly high confidence here. And the reason I say that is I don't think they lay up another stinker like they did this past weekend. You think that was a stinker, Evan? It was. They, they, the defense didn't do what it was supposed to do, right? Like, I think that's like a little, Albany a little does harsh, not score that harsh. many goals. I think that's a little harsh on both San Diego and Albany, who I think deserved a lot of credit in that victory. They do, but Albany does not score goals like that. All you gotta do is defend it properly. You know, oh, you can say that for any game. It's a little, it's a little, a little concerning. Whether you know, the one, the one thing on Frankie is he has this past of he doesn't make it through the season without a significant decline, you know, almost burning out. So whether that's starting to happen, we don't know. But mm. it's Dane Doby playing his old team. He doesn't need anything more to get fired up more than he's going to San Diego for a six. Jumbo. Yeah, I got San Diego here for an eight. And Ooh. I know it's tough to beat a team three times in a row. We just saw that last weekend play out. And that's 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 gonna play a factor in this game. But I just when at the end of the day here, I think San Diego is a better team than Calgary and they're playing at home. And I struggled which game to put my eight beside, so this is the one. Give me the seals for an eight. Yeah, I'm the Seals with a six. I'm I'm a big fan of the Calgary Roughnecks. I like what they're building there. I love their coaching staff and their goaltending, and I think they've got some really good young pieces, but I think it's a young team, and I'm not calling it – I'm short of calling it a rebuild in Calgary right now, but they've got a ways to go to get back to where they were in 2019. Some of their young pieces have to gel and get older and get better in this league, and that's only going to happen with time. The Seals are built for this year. 
Um, so I'll take the Seals with a six right now. They are six and two. On Saturday, we move into things. Three o'clock little afternoon start for us here on the West Coast. The longest, probably the second longest roadie possible in the National Lacrosse League, I would think, would be Vancouver going to Halifax. The five and four Warriors are coming off a loss from Panther City go into the seven and one Halifax Thunderbirds back home at the nest. Evan, who you got? Hang on here, Evan. Yeah. Before you do anything, I'm laying down an offer to you. I haven't cleared this Ooh. with upper management or anything, and I don't know if it's going to affect this week or not, but you picked Vancouver last weekend after picking against them for a number of weeks previous. Uh-huh. They get a loss. So here's my offer to you. You do not pick Vancouver for the rest of the season, and I will commandeer one way or another a shiny brand new white Warriors jersey with the name and number of your choosing on the back of it. Ooh. Done. Okay. Wow. Wow. Rest of the year, you don't pick them. <laughs> okay, done. But men can what? be bought. That is pretty easy to be bought. But you know what? Uh, here's I the think thing is, I'm hoping. There was no way I was taking. No, I know you weren't taking them this, this week, week and anyway. I, you might not even take them next. I don't care. But I just want this out of the way so I don't have to worry. <laughs> and I think General Manager Dan Richardson, I, I'm hoping, might step up to the plate here and, and provide that to me. But if I have to go out of pocket for that, that's how much I'm behind my Warriors right here. <laughs> hey, hey, there was a good chance Evan was going to pick against them the rest of the year, no matter what, considering. Uh, <laughs> his usual faith in our, in our trusted club, but Evan, who you got? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a long trip. It's four time zones over. And, it, you know, unlike say a Colorado going to Halifax where half the teams in Southern Ontario anyways, this is almost everybody on the team is in market in Vancouver having to fly four time zones. This is not going to be fun. Uh, Warren Hill is playing red hot right now. Give me the Thunderbirds for a seven. Jake Elliott, <laughs> justify who you got. I am taking I Vancouver. I know who you got, but give me the, give me the reason I'm why. I'm taking Vancouver here. And listen, we just saw some craziness go down a matter of days ago. So this tells me that anybody is capable of beating anybody. I know the odds are stacked against him here, short handed in their lineup and traveling and the records and all the rest of it. But anything can happen when the game is played. And let's just see if Vancouver can go steal one out of the nest. I'm behind them. I believe it. Give me Vancouver for three. Ooh. No, he is, believes this, it, but not believes it. Hit. This might be the <laughs> hardest pick away. I've had. Take your this jersey. Have, shut this up. might be the. This might be the toughest pick I've had to make all year because uh, I will hear about it and I will have to to tuck it in and swallow one here. Um, I may not pick against, I haven't picked against Vancouver all season and I may not pick against Vancouver again. Maybe we all should pick against Vancouver (laughs) and give them the triple win. I think that's what teams like Vancouver want. They want some teams thrive being an underdog and proving people wrong. So maybe I'm giving Vancouver the fuel this weekend um, by picking the Halifax Thunderbirds. Because for the reason Mitch Belisle talked about earlier on the show, <laughs> it's just so weird to go to a place that you've never played before. And for it to be that far away 
And Halifax to me has a bit of like a Vegas vibe where it's a fun city, man. And people want to go out and experience that when they're there. I think Kurt Styers was a little strategic when he decided to put a team four time zones over from the West coast and have it in a city like Halifax. Could I be think due for a-, a letdown there in Halifax. They had one already. They could be, could happen again. doesn't happen very often though they've got i think the best home record over the last two years at home it's going to be vancouver's toughest test i think um so far this season it's a long way to go for the sake of the west and keeping things interesting prove me wrong vancouver right, quit walking um, on eggshells. but halifax is rolling right now I'll give me the halifax thunderbirds with a seven. Oh, seven. that's okay all right uh expect an email shortly <laughs> but you know what if, if vancouver wins and he's going to be told to pick against him every week too uh, exactly right <laughs> maybe i will too Who knows? all right let's move saturday on. night seven o'clock eastern four o'clock west coast the eight and one buffalo bandits roll in MVP arena, the five and six Thunderbirds coming off that big win against San Diego. We just heard Ryan Banesh talking about it. Now that you can beat San Diego, I think Albany's got the confidence that they can beat anybody right now, but they're facing the eight and one Buffalo bandits. Evan, who you got? Yeah, they, they've got the confidence, but it's a team that hasn't strung together a long series of wins yet. Give me Buffalo for a four. Jake Elliott, who you got? I got the Albany Firewolves winning this game. I think coming off a big-time bounce-back win after a three-game skid there, being the San Diego Seals across the continent, so there is living proof that it can be done, and that's almost harder going from east to west. So give me Albany at home, which have played very solidly at MVP Arena. I'm taking the Firewalls for a four here. Just had Benny on, Karma, all the rest of it. Firewalls. Let's go. I would move them to six and six. The other thing I was thinking about, we saw how well Buffalo traveled to Rochester Mm fan-wise. I don't know. How close is Albany to Buffalo? Like, are they going to travel that well to Albany? Five, six-hour drive. I don't put it past him though. No. You might get a good contingent of Bandit fans in Albany. Like make a weekend out of it. First game there. Make a weekend out of it. It's a Saturday night. It's a new build. It's a building that they haven't been in yet. There'll we could be see some, some fans. Bandit fans in Albany. No doubt. What's that? There'll be fans there from Buffalo. I don't doubt that one bit. I think the Bandits will be a little bit too much to handle for the Albany Firewolves. I'm I'm all in on the Albany Firewolves. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the bandits are just well, clearly you're not too hot. Well, they're too hot to hold right now. And Matt Vince against Dougie. I'm going to take Matt Vince in that battle. We just talked about him maybe being an MVP candidate when you're, when you're quote unquote, secondary guys are fields and Nanticoke and they're second in team in goals with, you know, 16, 17 goals each. Um, you're doing something right. The bandits are just, they're just too deep and they're too strong. I got the bandits with the three here. You know, I'm just thinking it's like Tahoka. He's coming up in the PLL draft. Could you imagine if he falls into Andy Tower's lap? He will like do everything he can to make that happen. Tahoka. Can we get no. this right here? Tahoga, not Tahoka. Thank you. The last Saturday, no, no, one more Saturday nighters, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock West Dude. Coast. The rematch of last weekend's thriller, the New York Riptide this time going to Hamilton, though, face the Toronto Rock. The Tide are 2-7, and seven, the Rock are six and four. They're back home on friendly soil in Hamilton. Evan, who you got? Fans. 
you know, before we do this, I think we need to get a clarification. If we roll back the tape to last week, somebody amongst us here said they would not take the riptide until they won. It's been addressed. So, it's been addressed. So, so is this a mandatory pick this no, week? It's, no, it's not. Why would it oh, be? I said I'm on. not going to take him again until they win. <laughs> but now I have the option at my leisure <laughs> to select them or not. So how many games do they need to lose before you negate this conversation? None of your business. Oh, Ooh, that's weak. Okay. Uh, anyways, Toronto is actually, I think, the highest odds on favorite in cool bet this week. I've got them a little lower just because we, we've seen a potential crack there, but they're playing it at home. I don't think it happens twice. Toronto for a five. Jake Elliott. Say it. What you got? <laughs> I got. I, I did some deliberating about this game, but I'm not letting up. I, I don't want to say a one-off because I think that's disrespectful to New York, but I'm not letting a little slip here by Toronto affect my better judgment. They're back in the hammer. They got fans in the building. And I don't see him dropping too straight to the riptide. I just don't. This is a, a championship caliber team here from the Toronto Rock. I don't think Nick Rose gets chased a second time. Taking Toronto, and I'm taking him for a six. I feel like you owe New York a pick. Uh, they'll game. get one. I'm going to go that way. They'll get one. Like don't them. worry. Yes, you do. Don't <laughs> worry, New York. You'll get your fair share of picks from old Jumbo okay, here. Okay, well, Just let's, not let's this rewind weekend. this tape to come back and haunt Fine. Take the tide for the rest of you. They've got a tough schedule the next little while, Says too. Says the so guy who took Rochester. When are you going to... When are you gonna when are you gonna come correct with that? Um, yeah, I got the Toronto Rock with the five here as well. They're gonna make they got a great coaching <laughs> so, yeah, staff. I'm the one disrespecting New York as you pick Toronto as well. But yeah, but, but neither of us said we're gonna. No, I know there was no exactly. promises made. Was, I said I yes, wasn't, there was. Yeah, I feel like you really owe a make good. <laughs> yeah, here you do. No. <laughs> Listen to you guys. The quote was, "I am not taking the Riptide again until they win." There was no promise that that would be the next game. Okay, but I'm going to say, like, they've had the tough schedule. You might not be able to pick the Riptide for another three weeks, and then what? Then this losing streak negates everything as we go back to what we just said. Give me the Rock with the five. They've got a great coaching staff. They'll make their adjustments. They'll figure out how to handle T. They'll figure out how to handle Callum Crawford and quench that transition game that shoots them up. Um, And I do like the fans back in the building at First Niagara. I was there for week one, and they came correct. They absolutely filled that barn and they made a lot of noise and rock city came from Southwestern Ontario all the way to Hamilton to, to fill that place up. So I expect that to happen again. Give me the rock with a five final game of the weekend. Saskatchewan rush down to Panther city. Is that a direct flight? Evan, I know Calgary to Panther city. No, was. Is there something no you got to fly down? through Minneapolis to get there. Okay. Saskatchewan rush three and six Panther city, two and eight coming off their win against Vancouver. Evan, who you got? You know, it's not a tough one here, really. The rush destroyed Panther City in their meeting previously this year. Panther City got their win. Yes, they did. The rush finally found their winning ways. Eric Penny's going to give them more confidence back there. Two saves in overtime. Could you imagine if he didn't come up with, like, Joey Capito does not miss 
Talked shots like that. that. Yeah, Jumbo said it. earlier in the show that he, he saved their season. Those two saves in overtime saved the season of the Rush power play. 100% it did. This is my eight game. It's the Rush for an eight. Jake Elliott, who you got? Yeah, I mean, this wasn't as easy of a pick for for me after what I saw. And, and yeah, say what you want. Like, they generated 72 shots in that game against Colorado, but they only managed 10 goals. And again, Courier scoreless, Murphy scoreless, like Dylan Ward. Sure. But how many Dylan Ward? How, yeah, what's the Ward fan? Well, look, look how Nick Damon played last week. Like he got that team to that lead at halftime, standing on his head. So it can happen again. I don't know if it will. So I'm going to take Saskatchewan in this game, and I'm going to take him for a five. But I think this is going to be a lot closer of a matchup than than people are expecting. So I think we're going to see quite a few Panther City picks this week, but I'm not going to be one of them. Rush for a five. Rush for an eight for me this week. As I said earlier, they, they looked the rushiest they've looked all year. Um, last week, I think they can ride that confidence and kind of feel like, hey, now we've got a confident goaltender that we know is going to make some outside stops and, and keep us in games and make those big saves when we need them. I think that mentality goes a long way. I think their offense is kind of figuring it out, getting a little bit more chemistry as we go along here. I think the rush are going to keep rolling and put themselves almost in a playoff picture as we keep talking about the West here uh, with a win in Panther city rush with an eight. There you go. That is week 14. Who you got brought to you by Stampede Tack and Westerware. One more little segment to go here. It's time for Lax Glass Locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare lock of the week. Ooh, it's a big lock, all right. Lax Class Locks brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. Cool Bet Canada, coolbet.com is where you want to go. And if you're new to the podcast and you're new to maybe wagering on sports or lacrosse in particular, and you're looking for a place to do that, or even if you do and you're with some other sites right now, hop on coolbet.com, sign up, and then before you make your first time deposit, put in the bonus code. Lax class, and they will match you up to two hundred dollars on your first time deposit. Two hundred. Listen, I, I've hopped on there to check out some other stuff, and what I love about Coolbet is it's super easy to navigate the website. They compute the odds and the, the payouts and everything for like it. Go back and check your history. You can do all sorts of stuff on that website. It's super easy to get around. And it just makes things a little more interesting to watch whatever sport you may be wagering. So, coolbet.com, bonus code LAXCLASS, get free money and have a little extra fun. As this week, guys, uh, we need to get back on the winning track here because uh, we've, we've come up empty. I went two for three again on my parlay. I know, Brad, you got snuffed out. Evan... Not I didn't good. come close. No. So this week we will deliver a combo where we each pick one each for our boosted odds on Cool Bet. So we each pick a game, and then Cool Bet will juice up the odds a little bit to make uh, make you a little more money, and and we'll give out uh, 
if you want to follow one of our parlays, you can do that as well. So, Evan, let's start with you. Your three-game parlay, if you please. So, first up, San Diego, Calgary. I, I think San Diego not only wins this, but they win it handily. Like San Diego is only a minus three twelve on the money line, but to change it to a minus one and a half, so San Diego wins by two, moves that three twelve all the way to a one fifteen. So I'm going to take San Diego minus one and a half, Vancouver, Halifax. This is one where I looked at it and it's like, do I take the money line or do I take? the handicap because once again to jiggle it by one goal it's Halifax at minus 200 minus 114 if you go the handicap I'll stick to the money online on this one minus 200 and then Saskatchewan Panther City I've adjusted this one so instead of Saskatchewan minus two and a half it's Saskatchewan minus one and a half so, so for it to hit Saskatchewan has to win by two that's minus 135 total of a plus 388 for a 20 bucks pays off 97.63. I'm going to go, uh, you know, I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to hear about it, but I've already taken Van, uh, Halifax and who you got. So I'm going to put my money on the, my jumbo box on the this week too. I know. Hey, fuel for the fire boys, fuel for the fire. Uh, I'm going to take Halifax Thunderbirds on the money line at minus 200. The Saskatchewan rush on the money line at minus 250. So yeah, not great odds there, but I'm going to couple that with, New York Riptide and Toronto Rock. New York Riptide plus 2.5. So they need to keep it within two to make this a parlay hit. At 320, mm. 20 bucks will win you 84. So I, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's that's a solid, solid bet there. Okay. Uh, I like my over-unders because I just look at it and I think this is simple. Do I think the game is going to be a high-scoring game? Do I think the game is going to be a low-scoring game? You don't have to think about a whole lot else. So I like my over-unders here. And this week I am going over in Georgia at 21 and a half for a minus 110. I'm going over in Toronto for a minus 108 at 21 and a half. And I'm taking the San Diego Seals at minus 1.5 for a minus 115. Add that up, you get a plus 587 here, guys. And I'm, I'm telling you, this one might come home here. 20 jumbo bucks gets you 137.48. So. You heard Evans, you heard Brad's, you heard mine. Select at your own risk or reward. And Evan, you got our combo handy, ready to go for the people? Yes, I do. So it is the Rochester, Georgia over. So over 21 and a half. That's my pick. It is Halifax Thunderbirds on the money line, so they just need to win. That's Brad's pick. And the Saskatchewan Rush, minus 1.5. So they got to win by two. Over Panther City. That's Evans bet. That was a plus three eighty nine, but Cool Bet is boosting that to a plus four fifty. So trying to do the math in my head here, twenty I believe pays ninety bucks one one ten. Yeah, plus the plus the twenty. Yeah, so nice even round number there. You can find that on the boosted odds parlay tab. Whether you're on your mobile or your desktop, uh, easy to find there on coolbet.com. Don't forget bonus code LAXCLASS. That is going to wrap things up here for episode 173. Don't forget to subscribe, review, follow us on social media at LAXCLASS, at Lacrosse Classified, Facebook, email address is lacrosseclassified at Gmail. At Brad Shell, at ShemLax, at PXP for sports is how you can follow all our social media channels. 
Don't forget to give our sponsors a follow as well and support them because that's how you support this podcast. Stampede Tack, the Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, Cool Bet Canada, and Rycor Construction. Big thanks to Mitch Belial and Ryan Banesh for stopping by the podcast and to you, the loyal listener, for checking out Lax Class each and every week right here on the home of it, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. For Brad Chellner and Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator... Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.